I know she's there. I just would like to be able to see everyone. Tell me when you're Why ready. Do you see it recording as well? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. I'm going to make you host right now. Okay. Okay. Well, I am calling the meeting of the Juvenile Probation Commission to order. Uh, it is May 11th at 5.05. Um, will the secretary call the roll? President Broadkin. Here. Commissioner Ariano is excused. Commissioner Cervantes. Here. Commissioner Jordan. Here. Commissioner Laco. Here. Commissioner Moses. Here. And Commissioner Spingola. President. You have a quorum. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for coming at 5 instead of 530 so that we can really complete complete the work that we started at our retreat. Um, I'm going to very quickly review the agenda and I'm going to do something for the next couple of meetings that uh, I think will help the audience, which is to ask each commissioner to introduce. We have so many new people to introduce themselves and you get 30 seconds to say something about yourself. Um, so the agenda, uh, the first three items, well, it's actually items three through five really are a continuation of the conversation we had at our retreat, um, which is about goals, about uh, what we're going to do to uh, uh, discuss and determine progress on goals, and then what we're going to do in the next uh, several meetings uh, related to those decisions. Um, after that, um, I'm going to take a general public comment on issues that are not on the agenda. And this is something which I did not intend to be on the agenda this way. It's my mistake. Um, I am estimating that that will happen around 7.15. It could happen um, earlier or later than that. I know that uh, there are some people who want to provide public testimony, so we are estimating 7.15 for that. Then we have a special uh, order on the agenda. We're going to learn about uh, electronic monitoring. We'll then have the chief's report. I'll give a very, very brief report. We'll approve the minutes and we'll talk about future agenda items. So I am going to start by uh, I, um, having everybody just introduce themselves very quickly, 30 seconds, whatever you want to say in 30 seconds. And Secretary, will you take, will you, can you look and make sure we just use 30 seconds to do that? Yeah. Um, so can we start, maybe we start with Linda at the start that end and go around the table, is that okay? Sure. Good evening, everyone. My name is Linda Martley Jordan. Um, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm a San Francisco resident. I participate with the NAACP. I am the president of the San Francisco Alliance of Black School Educators. Um, I'm a previous employee of San Francisco Unified School District, 17 years working in high schools, um, and I love it. Um, and I'm here today because this is important. When I look at when I look at the system that we are addressing, it just requires us to take a closer look and a deeper dive. That was 30 seconds. That was, that was good. 
Uh, all right, I'm Joanna Laco. I'm uh, currently the research director at the California Policy Lab, which is a research center at UC Berkeley, and I do research uh, on a number of policy areas, including criminal and juvenile justice. Um, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, my name is Julia Cervantes. I'm a deputy district attorney in San Mateo County. I was previously uh, an assistant district attorney in San Francisco for 10 years, and I was a assistant district attorney in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I spent time in the juvenile justice center here in San Francisco, and I'm looking forward to working with everyone to improve our justice system. Thank you. Hi, my name is Toye Moses. Uh... I've been on the commission for a couple of years. I worked for the Syrian country of San Francisco for 26 years, so I'm retired. I'm a member of NWCP and also Bayview Rotary Club, which I'm the president. And um, I just love to welcome the new commissioners. I think we're going to have a very, very nice time because we have a lot of things in common. Hi, I am James Pringle, Executive Director. Excuse my vocals, I've been a little, but I'm okay. But Executive Director of Collective Impact, LEO Hutch Community Center in the Western Edition. Which is located at the Hill Hutch Community Center. Oh, you did? Yes. I'm sorry. Can't hear well enough. Um, I'm Margaret Brodkin. I have a lifelong commitment to social justice uh, and particularly to young people and have been involved in one way or another in juvenile justice issues in San Francisco as an advocate uh, since 1978 when I first became director of Coleman. And our first job was to make sure that dependent and status offender kids got out of the criminal justice system. So, thank you. No, we're, oh, I see, I see, oh, she's reminding me. So, uh, we've reviewed the agenda and heard from commissioners. We are, uh, does anyone, do we wanna have any public comment on that? Um, Secretary, is there anyone online? No, no one has raised their hand. Okay, cool. So we will move on to the uh, next three items on the agenda, and I am going to reintroduce Nancy Rubin, who will continue the work that we did at our retreat as our facilitator. Um, and is there something more I need to say about that? Or, you know, we are going to look at what um, a little bit of discussion occurred between myself and the chief uh, in between uh, and suggest that, that we call these the preliminary juvenile probation department goals for 2022. Um, and then we will talk about how to measure them and the methodology for assessing them. And then we'll talk about the next several meetings, what we hope to do to address those goals. So, Ms. Rubin. <laughs> um, hello, everybody. I'm Nancy Rubin. I am your facilitator for the evening. Um, I will make a comment here just very briefly, both in both directions. This is probably the most awkward room I've ever tried to hold a conversation in before. So um, bear with us in both directions here. But I'm told that this is the only place I, I need to be standing here to get our, my, my comments on record. Um, I'm hoping 
that all of you can see these charts up here. So if you're in the audience and you need to move over, please do that. And commissioners, you can all see this is um, the work that this is where we left off at our we had a retreat at your at your last commission meeting and we have come up with a process that we want to walk you all through tonight to get you launched, if you will. At the last um, meeting, um, you might recall, and many of you weren't here. If you were um, not, a, if you weren't, if you weren't there, um, you didn't see this. We had an entire room papered with goals, and we're, we keep on wanting to use the word preliminary goals. These are launching points for conversation, and the preliminary goals are on. If you look on the left-hand side here, um, can can you can see this on the screen? So I'm hoping that this is adequate for the audience that's looking at it from. Um, their from their computers, but I can't walk up there and point them out to you. If you look to the left, we have proposed goals along the case process that says arrest, intake, case planning, detention, placement, DJJ realignment. We have a goal attached to each one of those. And then underneath them, you see three long, um, were, um, long arrows that say diversion, racial equity, and community-based solutions. We are not going to dive into all those details tonight. What we're going to talk about is how do we dive into all those details? Because this is this is a really ambitious agenda for the commission. And I would say as a citizen myself, I'm stepping out of a facilitation role and I'm going to have a comment. I'm incredibly excited and proud of this commission for taking this on and wanting to dive dive into each and every one of these topics over the next X number of months. So what we're talking about is how in the heck do you dive into these topics over the X number of months? So we are going to have you come back to these proposed goals along the case process and these overarching goals. You have a um, a, no, a, no, uh, a motion that you will, be, will, you will be introducing to say you're willing to launch into these at some point in the next few, I'd say five to 10 minutes. And then we are going to talk about how to how to roll into this. So I have some words up there. I don't know if you can read them that we said the purpose of these goals and these hearings are to educate, inform, revise, modify and adopt the goals, which is what I just said to you that, that the, um, the, JP, the probation commission is proposing to hold hearings on issues related to all those items along that rainbow colored chart. And then at each commission meeting, the agenda will include time to determine what special criteria that you all need to hear about from, et cetera, that you'll need to discuss the goals. So this is where I'm gonna look at the commissioners. This is gonna be a bit of a logistical, I don't wanna use the word nightmare, I'm gonna say challenge. This is gonna be a really interesting logistical process about how you're going to set the agenda for the next three months, the next six months, because you're going to be holding a hearing in an environment, something like this, then you're going to be asking questions and we're proposing that then you send those questions back to your program committee and then the program committee comes back and brings the answers all the while you're holding hearings on potentially the next goal so this is the logistical challenge that we'll talk about a couple more times tonight and i want to stop talking because i want to hear your best thoughts i mean you might have a much better idea about it than I would, um, um, I talked with the chief and the president, we've come up with a, a bit of a rolling agenda for you, but we're not sure if that's the best way. We wanna talk about it tonight. And then after these hearings happen and they go to the program committee, they will, these, the actions that come out of the program committee will then come back to the full commission and you'll vote on things. And so this is going to be a very active process that you're going to need to do. 
So um, these three charts pretty much say the same thing in three different ways. The next one to the right of it says you're going to approve the preliminary goals tonight. Then you're going to figure out how these hearing processes work, how it goes to the program committee, if the commission comes back, and you have an ongoing rolling agenda. I, I wrote it in three different ways because we all process information differently, basically. And then the last one says you're going to adopt the preliminary goals. You're going to calendar these goals. You're going to come up with the criteria that you need, how you're going to roll them to the program committee. So for tonight, we have two agenda items to do. For tonight, we have to talk about, is this how you want to make it work? Is this the best way to, for this group to work together? And number two is you have something scheduled coming up on diversion for next month. And so there will be some criteria that you might want to talk about tonight about that. And then we want to talk writ large what kind of criteria you would use to hold these hearings. And I'm looking at both the chief and the president to make sure that I've gotten it correct in terms of what you wanted us to do tonight. No, I, uh, with my assistance. The first thing on the agenda is to approve the goals. Preliminary goals. And the problem I'm having is that they were attached to the agenda. So hopefully everyone on the commission actually has a copy. Um, they are, as we discussed at our retreat, but I'm worried about the people in the audience who don't even know what we're talking about. So you've short, you've written just a word about what they are, yeah. but it doesn't say what the goals okay, well, are. So I'm, I don't quite know how to deal with that. Well, we have two options. I thought that they were going to be put up on the screen here. I, um, they're on the screens. Are they on this screen as well up on the, on the television screen oh, right here for the audience? I can't see them. I'm not on the monitor. Can people see it's them? Not yeah. Thank okay. you. Well, Here they come. Here they are. Okay, so for the members of the folks in the audience, I'm going to repeat myself again because I said a lot of sort of fast words really quickly. These are preliminary goals that the commission is going to do to use the phrase a deep dive into. So the notion is that the commission will vote on these tonight and say this is what we're going to be working on for the next X number of months maybe yeah. beyond that a year. So um, so what's on the screen? Is it possible it, to make this a full page? So we don't and can we start at the, at the beginning? This is so weird. Do I see what? Yeah. But we can't control nothing from here. But we have a little square that has the public. The public has a little square with a bunch of other things behind it. Yeah. Somebody else's computer screen. Oh, yeah. I'd copy too in front of it. You all have copies, but the audience doesn't have copies. Oh, yeah. So I'm assuming this is Michael's computer that, that we're looking at here. Michael, can you hear us? He's offline somewhere in another room. Yeah. Is Michael the one sharing? Oh, yes, I can hear you. I'm sorry. I was Michael, can you make these goals the whole page and we don't see the rest of your computer screen? Um, do you have a way to do it? No way. Uh, you mean, like, like this? Well, I'm not sure what you're seeing. We want to see just the goals. We don't want to see the black screen behind it. Hmm. Can you? Right, can you maximize the WebEx window? Yeah. 
give me a moment to figure out how to do that. See, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not aware of the black screen behind. So, um, it, so. Pauline, Maria thinks that's your computer. Do you want me to go back to focus and then see if I fix it and fix it? How many copies do we need? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, I'm going to just make a copy out there. Okay, okay. Well, in that time period, um, um, President Brecken, this is my question. Do you, would you like me to do the the, the five minute lecture on? On participatory and group decision making is that this is, like I said, this is a very awkward room tonight, so I, I would have to stand here and do it, but I, I can. Okay, Michael, that's better, but can you start with the preamble? Sure. Oh, it's getting better and better there you're you're, you're okay. So, I think we can start the substance okay. of this. So I just want to make sure that people in the audience can see the I have one copy. Well, they're, they're coming. They're coming copies and now you can see it on the thing. Okay. So are you, um, would you, would you like to annotate it then for us? Or would you like me to read them? I want you to. You'd like me to read them. Okay. Can I have a hard copy? <laughs> Here. Thanks. All right. Here it goes. Please, pardon me, I will talk into the mic. Excuse me. Thank you very much for listening to me for all these minutes. These are the preliminary 22-23 goals to serve as a framework for the Juvenile Probation Commission to assess progress. So we're going to highlight once again the word preliminary goals, and we're going to be asking you to adopt these this evening. Preamble. Reimagine how the city addresses juvenile delinquency from referral through reentry in collaboration with the community and our system partners, emphasizing research and evidence-based practices and sustainably addressing pervasive racial disparities throughout the system. Ensure all youth and their families who touch the juvenile justice system receive effective, healing, holistic, and supportive services, as well as the least traumatic and restrictive supervision necessary as expeditiously as possible. So those are the three things that are on the bottom of that rainbow colored chart. Number one, system-wide preliminary goals. Diversion, prioritize diversion to appropriate services and responses at every stage of the use process through the juvenile justice system from pre-arrest to disposition. Ensure youth are returned home as quickly as possible whenever appropriate and that families are provided comprehensive support. Community-based services, maximize the utilization of community-based services that provide high quality for all youth and their families throughout a young person's involvement in the juvenile justice system. Ensure that every youth has a strong connection to a community provider. Juvenile hall, create a non-institutional home-like place of detention that is healing-centered, developmentally appropriate, family-centered, community-connected, and culturally responsive. Implement daily community presence of community partners, shared leadership with community and city agencies whenever possible, and meaningful opportunities for community input into policies and programming. Interdepartmental collaboration. 
develop a collaborative approach to policymaking and service provision to work effectively with community agencies and appropriate city agencies, including health, law enforcement, and schools. Right-sizing and restructuring. Continue to organize and right-size the juvenile probation department and budget to reflect changes in caseloads, increased emphasis on community-based services, and changes in approach and responsibilities, including DJJ realignment duties. Goals along the case process. Arrest. Work with law enforcement and CARC to ensure that charging decisions at arrest are equitable and that African-American, Latinx, and Southeast Asian youth are not overcharged. Intake. In collaboration with community agencies and CARC, create an intake system so that the opportunity to receive appropriate services by culturally appropriate, skilled, and nurturing community-based providers begins at intake for both the majority of youth who remain in the community and minority who are detained. Case planning. Support the creation of a care team facilitated by community-based advocate, a community-based advocate comprised of a circle of supportive services, family members, probation when needed, and the young person, which leads the case planning processes throughout the young person's involvement in the justice system. Detention. Work with the system partners to ensure that youth are only detained in secure detention under the most serious circumstances. Reduce the time youth must remain in detention so that youth receive rehabilitative services as quickly as possible. Placement. Maintain and expand community-based out-of-home placements that provide quality care so that no youth is incarcerated only to await an appropriate non-secure placement and youth who cannot be home are in the most supportive family-like environment possible. Ensure youth are returned home as quickly as possible whenever appropriate. DJJ realignment. Implement services and strategies that prevent deeper system involvement while ensuring that those youth at the deepest end of the system receive interventions that are healing-centered, developmentally appropriate, family-centered, community-connected, and culturally responsive. Aftercare. Ensure that all youth who leave the system are connected to ongoing supportive services. Ensure that AV12 youth ex exiting extended foster care receive optimal services and support to promote successful transition to independent adulthood, including adequate housing. So the commission reviewed these last month at their meeting and has had a, you have had a chance to let them sit with you for the past couple weeks. Um, I'm going to ask the city attorney and Margaret, um, the president right now, do we have um, public testimony after this period or after you take your vote? No, before we take a vote on everything, we have to have public testimony. Okay. We so, can hear public testimony first and then have the commission discussion or vice versa or both. To hear the public that, testimony. Yeah, so that the public might want to comment on Part of the discussion. Good point. Hey, can I? I, I couldn't hear which way you want to do it. Testimony here. We're not. It's not a testimony that you all are giving. It's public comment. So public it's not comment. testimony. Can we correct correct that? Okay. Yeah. So we're going to do public comment yeah. next. Correct. Yeah. We're going to take the vote. Okay. Excuse me. Okay. So for those of you that are following this on the WebEx and not in person, 
we just had a little side conversation here. What we're going to do first is have a discussion among the commissioners. I want to remind you again that these are not final goals. These are preliminary goals to launch hearings. So they have periods at the end of the sentence and they have a, they have affirmative statements, but they can be modified. And they will, the commission will be having hearings, we'll be bringing experts, we'll be looking at um, model programs, et cetera, et cetera. And after we talk about these with the um, assumption that we'll affirm moving forward, we'll talk about what do we need to do to dive into these things. So with that said, I'm going to turn this back to the president and you can ask for discussion among your peers. I think that you have to, oh, would you like me to call on the people? I'm, yeah, you I'm happy to facilitate this. Well, okay, but, uh, sure. Um, what can I ask then? Can we just go around in a semicircle? Um, 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 and we'll each take at least an initial comment about where you're at since our last meeting. Um, Commissioner can, Jordan can, oh, can I just ask a clarifying question? Yes, first. Um, <laughs> is the discussion about the, us agreeing on the goals and then the, the hearings or the, the further work is about how to measure them. Yes. Okay, so the hearings are not about further discussion on determining what the goals are. That's what we're doing now. We, right? the, this will, the, what we're doing right now is saying this is the criteria that we're going to build your agenda for the next 12, 16 months. Mm -hmm. um, and then after this, the second piece will be what elements do you need to, re, to, to dive into these things? So just to further clarify what we're discussing now, do we do we support these goals or do we want to modify them in some way with the caveat and this we added after our retreat um, in a discussion between the chief and myself that we be really clear that these are preliminary so you're not signing off in blood on anything and that is just that it is they're preliminary and they're a framework for ongoing discussion and um, debate and ongoing, you know, public hearing, but that this is a starting point for um, that discussion. All right. So, um, Commissioner Jordan, can I, can I ask us just to go in the semicircle and then we'll hear from the, the, do the public comment after that? <clears throat> sure. Um, and you might want to do as I did is move the microphone a little closer because the masks seem to mute us. There you go. Okay. Well, I can scoot over a little bit too. That's good. All right. Um, the preliminary goals are interesting. They somewhat address different aspects of juvenile probation, what's happening with the students in the system, be it incarcerated or, or at home with families or with others. But there's a lot that is going on here that we need to tap into the community uh, and, and get community feedback on because there are a number of agencies. Each one of these, um, there are a number of agencies that are knee deep in these services. And I think it's our job to find the gaps of where those services are happening and where they're not happening and who needs the support and how can we support. Um, and then we might want to entertain also adding additional ones at a later time, not right now. We've, in our retreat, we agreed on these. But yeah, there's a number of community-based organizations who are providing these services to our families and students. Excuse me, I'm, I'm gonna always say students, okay? To our family and youth. Um, and it's taking a close look at the work that they're doing and how we can support that work and build policy 
to make their work even more effective. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to actually, since I can't stand up, excuse me, everybody, and do what a facilitator usually does and write on those, I'm going to write on the back of mine and I will then put up your comments after I finish standing here. And excuse me, but our secretary is taking notes and it's being recorded. Okay. So we will have a good record okay. of what of what you said. We're not relying on you to do the minutes. Okay. So was, was there a time frame on that? Because I still have more to say, don't play. Are are you um Yes, I'm done. You're joking <laughs> with me right now. Oh, a little levity that helps, doesn't it? Thank you. Um, I, I mean, there's some words here and there and the things that that I've noted that I don't know if we want to get into the details of right now, but um, if I'm thinking about this from the lens of these, these are the things that we are going to try to measure progress against at some point. So I'm thinking about it as what what is measurable and how might we do that? Um, and that gets tough <laughs> for for some of these. It's not some things are maybe more clear about how we might measure progress towards this goal. Uh, other ones are harder. So words like appropriate and who decides what's appropriate and how we might quantify whether an appropriate service was provided at, at a given point. That's a hard thing to measure unless we put some bounds on what that is. So so part of what I'm thinking about, these are great like big picture goals, but if the purpose is to hold ourselves accountable to achieving them, we need to get pretty specific and maybe that's what the program committee is then going to do is get very specific about how we might measure but i just want to flag for now some of these things are going to be tough to measure unless we get into the details of what the data collection looks like and its interviews <laughs> and talking to people you know getting kind of people's real experiences because i don't know how some of this would would otherwise come out oh and sorry one other thing is supervision missing as one of the steps in the process because we have detention and placement and aftercare but should supervision like the experience of being on probation supervision be one of the of the things that we focus on unless we think it's part of case planning but that seems front like the first step not the like full experience Um, I had Thank you. I some of the same concerns with terms, things like as quickly as possible, necessary <laughs> when appropriate. I just think those are like soft terms that could mean radically different things to different people. Um, and I mean, overall, I agree with the goals as they are written. Um, I have questions about about what success is as well as how we're going to measure it um and then uh i am concerned about prioritization as well of the goals um and kind of what is urgent to us as a city as um our facilities and our abilities change in the next uh short period of time And I think I agree with the my fellow commissioners from what they said. I know last time we talked all of this, and my concern is I think we need to prioritize 
this go get too many of them. Maybe just to say number one, number two, number three, because it's going to be really hard to be able to um, do some measurement on all these goals. And um, my main concern is, I know I'm going to keep bringing up the grandparents who care because they are the ones that are really, really taking care of you know, the grandkids. And I'd like to see that specifically mentioned here, which I don't think, you know, is, I just don't want us to bypass or omit it. So we won't have to be bringing it up all the time. Commissioner Spagnola? Yeah. Well, um, I'm confused. Um, I was pretty telling you. I'm confused. So what is we talking about with this body here? What are we, what, I mean, we, when you just see them goals up there and everything down, let's make it clear to the public that we just had a conversation. We were brainstorming. We were throwing some things out there. We didn't agree that these, all these pieces was coming into play here. So I am kind of confused when we talk about what this body does. And I thought that's what, what the retreat was going to be about on what authority this body had, what this body does, and, you know, how do we make sure that we make the body better when it comes to young folks and juvenile and that part. But what you all have up there now is community-based organization goals. And it, we are all here as volunteers. You can't do that work and come in in an hour or two hours. That doesn't happen here at this body. So for me, is I, I work in communities, so I know what, what it takes to get even a little bit of that done. So for me, is what what are we and when you bring all these goals up, don't that go to the program committee at some point that the program committee meet with community? Because you had it kind of reversed that they were going to come here, meet with us, then meet with program individually, and then come back. And I just don't, it's just all confusing on what, what does this body do? And that's what I thought the retreat was about. So what do we do? We tell the chief here to say, hey, chief, I need to make sure that, because this is the only thing that we, uh, these are, the chief is the only person that we have any authority over. So we have to, everything we do has to go to the chief. The chief runs the organization. So what are we, what are we doing as a body is what I'm trying to figure out here. So that's why I am confused when we talk about this, because all them goals we have up there, they're not something that we're going to be able to do coming in here for an hour or two. It just don't work. So what, what, what do we do? And that's where if President Rocky can explain to me what, what's, this, what's this understanding and what, what's her vision on trying to do this work, because you can't, you can't do them goals and then make sure juvenile is ran okay or the transition of juvenile is being done right. So what are we here to do? as a body. So that's what I'm trying to figure out because them goals is something that community-based organizations do. So you guys tell me, what is this body? Because I'm confused. 
Mr. Brook. Thank you. I'm glad you're confused because it is confusing. What is the role of a commission? Exactly. What's the authority? How do you take the global uh, aspirations, uh, which this is some, which sounds like this is close enough to, um, you know, and happily put in grandparents who care under the uh, placement uh, because it's a perfect example of a of a an appropriate you know alternative placement. Um, so I guess I implore you to have a little patience and wait <laughs> a little bit because the next part of the agenda is exactly like okay, these great these are great aspirational things. There are problems with them because um, they. Are, it doesn't. It says as expeditiously as possible. It doesn't say within 15 days of a young person's being arrested, and then within 30 days of so. And it purposely didn't, you know, do that. What, what does sufficient mean? That's you know, that's what we have to decide and how to measure it. And measure doesn't just mean data, as you know. As you all well know, so I'm just appealing to people to say. If we can get started by having a general framework, we can add, and I would certainly support adding supervision as a, a as a gap in in this. I, I would like to say that our chief and myself, you know, worked really hard <laughs> to try to extract the most general kinds of aspirations, so that we can get on with the work. I just I'm 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 appealing to you for patience. Commissioner Spangola, because the next step in this agenda is like, okay, what's our role and how are we going to structure doing this? So um, I guess I'm appealing to you to sort of uh, uh, with the addition of supervision and um, grandparents who care to say this is good enough to serve as an introductory framework um, with the with the job that everybody's anxious to get to, like incorporating the community agencies that are doing the work, figuring out how they have a say in this and all the things people talked about um, uh, becomes part of the how to. This is like big picture, where are we going? So I would like to um, recommend that we amend these with adding supervision and adding grandparents who care in the category where I think it belongs, which is in placement. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I don't know if our chief would like to comment. Sure, I think it's it's really helpful to hear all the comments. And I think that if I could offer the way that I think about this, um, President Brocken, you keep using the word framework, and I think that's really important. So the I think to me the way that I see these goals or these statements is that these offer a framework for you to dig into. So each of them is an important topic that over the course of the year you could be having meetings about to understand the information, what is the data, how do we do now, what do we wish we did differently, whether you want to then modify these statements to become formal goals you adopt and with the confidence that however you modify them address the concerns that you're raising right how do we reframe this in a way that's measurable how do we make sure it responds to the things we care about so i would offer i think that um we're using the words preliminary goals 
I think that what I would say is in my mind, it's kind of an, an offering for these are different topics and general ways to think about these topics. And that in each meeting where you explore a topic, you come out of it with agreement on what is this commission's goal about the way you're going to sit in that space. I just, I would like to make a comment about that if that's okay, um, because they're not just topics. They really are sort of aspirational sentences, hence leaving in the words preliminary goals. It isn't like we just listed topics. We listed, you know, aspir aspirations regarding those topics goals. So yeah. with the, with the emphasis on framework, I, I support what you are saying. So, um. Before you, before you move, President, can I ask this too? So when we talk about goals, and I'm just going to do instance arrests, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how a police charges someone when they get arrested, right? How do this body interact with that officer or make that judgment or that call on how they interact? When they are what they charge them. So where where do this body come in? So Commissioner, when, I think what is being proposed when, is when that, we start having that. Right. Is piece. that well, we will have a, uh, a you will have not we you will have an entire meeting on that. You in advance of that meeting, you will make a plan for what you need to have, who you need in the room, what data you need in the room, which community meetings, which community groups you want to hear from. You will hold a hearing on it. After that, it will probably go to the program committee because it's a very complex conversation. It might take a couple months in the program committee, then it will come back here and you will ultimately take some action. That's our next step in this agenda right now as we try to figure out some of the different variables about how we're going to roll, how you are going to roll into these very complex conversations because they won't be one, a one-time only conversation. It won't be just a little show and tell up here and then you hit a gavel, it's going to be a show and tell with questions that need research, particularly on <laughs> that one in particular is very complicated. So you will have some of what President Brodkin is attempting to do is to really put some teeth into your commission <laughs> and have you make, make big policy um, decisions and bring up issues that are interdepartmental, et cetera, et cetera. Does that help? I'm going to hold my thoughts. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. All right, so I'm going to ask the city attorney or the secretary here. Um, um, I now do you want public comment now, or do you need a do you need a, a motion first before public comment? I guess as president, yes, I would like to say, um, uh, like uh, if other uh, commissioners want to comment now that you've heard from everyone um, and. The, the amendment that I proposed, which is to add supervision and grandparents who care to this document in the appropriate place. I'm trying to lean over so I can see everybody. Um, uh, does anybody on the commission should have a chance to comment again? Then I think we should take public comment. Okay. I'm going to turn around and say, do we have some public comment on these proposed goals that are in front of the commission at this point? You want, you want to come up? My name is Lucero. I'm the lead organizer at the Young Women's Freedom Center. From what I see here, I see the arrest intake, but I don't see family reunification. 
I see the proposed goals, arrest, intake, case planning, detention, but from here, I don't see no family reunification. Is something missing here? I thought it was in the preamble, but um, which talks about, uh, well, you know what? I, said it. I think you're right. I think that, um, do you have, oh, we're, we're not supposed to have discussions, but I, I think that you're right about that. And we should actually either have it as an explicit goal, but I, I'm thinking it should be incorporated into a number of these things. Yeah. Um, uh, so diversion is about, you know, uh, with a goal towards family reunification, um, community-based services with a focus on family reunification as long as, along with these other things. Juvenile hall, uh, uh, a facility that prioritizes family connection. Um, inter, well, I, uh, arrest would be to involve the family, intake involving the family, case planning, uh, placement, that's where we do the grandparents who care and the focus on family. Um, I think we can, you know, I, I think maybe it's best to put it a, a very explicit statement in the preamble so it's clear that this applies to everything throughout. Does that make sense to you? Yes, thank you. Is there any other public comment? Public comment, I think, does that include um, staff as well? Okay. So, is there any public comment on the WebEx? No, no one has raised a hand. The commissioners, again, this is an, an, uh, I'm in an unusual role, so please excuse me if I'm overstepping or understepping for that matter. Um, we need a, a, a motion. With the I, modifications for you to move forward on this, I don't quite know how to do this. Um, if we sort of, um, I would entertain a motion to um, approve these as preliminary um, uh, framework, um, and I can with the modifications. Right, and then mentioned. then do we I, take I, the I modifications? Well, no, I think you can. Okay. okay. So hopefully yeah. someone took good notes. Yes. Yeah. You, you want to request for this to come down so that the public can see people's faces as they talk. What to come down? There's a request to take this screen to stop sharing the screen so that your faces can come up for community for public as you speak. Oh, that's so exciting. That yeah. makes sense. Um, yes. So, um, we I don't think we're on the screen yet. Are we? I think it's. I don't know how okay. okay, so I would entertain a motion to approve these preliminary goals that will serve as a framework to the Juvenile Probation Commission to assess progress toward meeting the needs of youth impacted by the justice system as amended by adding a, a, a statement about the about supervision um, a statement about uh, uh, an introductory statement about family reunification and the example of grandparents who care under the placement 
um, uh, well, I guess I'd put it under community-based services. You also oh. had another comment in terms of urgency and prioritization. Um, I think we get to that in the next topic. So the question, the next topic is, okay, how are we going to agendize this? How are we going to organize this? What's a priority? What isn't it? And, um, you know, in terms of the idea, because it was mentioned in, in the retreat that, well, let's pick three of these. The department does not get to pick three of these. The department has to do all of these. And our job is to oversee the department. So, yes, we have to prioritize in terms of when we have hearings. We may say we can't get to them all in the first year, but I think that it is not consistent with our goal as the oversight for the department to just say, well, the commission's only going to deal with intake. I think that the commission has to be prepared to deal with all of the issues that the department is responsible for. So, with that said, you're looking for a motion. Well, I think it's, there's still a little piece missing. I'm sorry. I understand the family reunification. I understand the grandparents who care. We're going to get to the community agency um, issue that uh, Commissioner um, Jordan raised. Is there a statement you'd like to make what the goal of supervision should be? I mean, oh, that was you. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the moment. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean... I think it's kind of the core of, of what juvenile probation is doing um, with the most number of kids is ensuring that probation is following the goals of you know positive youth development and connecting youth with community organizations and supporting them to thrive and succeed while under supervision, something in that general ballpark. So it would be ensuring uh, youth under supervision by the department are connected to community agencies, receive. Yeah, I mean, the developmentally appropriate services are connected with their families and but, the other things. That but I would, I would really defer to the chief to <laughs> to have that. I mean, to have that goal, not in the moment, but in general. <laughs> Yeah, I would also, I, I think that what, what you listed makes sense. And I think we would also want to acknowledge that we're using supervision strategies that are evidence-based and that are appropriate in terms of their intensity and duration. Yep. And um, duration. So ensure that youth under supervision of the probation department receive uh, appropriate, uh, sorry about appropriate, <laughs> services that are of appropriate intensity and duration and that are evidence-based um, and meet the values of the, uh, of the preamble of mm -hmm. the statement. I I think it could mirror in part what intake the culturally um, appropriate skilled and nurture based uh, community based providers are used by during the supervisory period um, by youth in the juvenile probation department. So I think that's like the intake is a good framework. Um, and I and I um, think that the goals is 
they're presented do highlight the importance of family, um, but that it does make sense to have it as a preamble. Is that that was the was that the amendment? Yeah. Okay. So the the motion would be to approve these as preliminary goals to serve as framework for our you know ongoing uh, discussion with the amendment of family reunification in the uh, opening statement that would apply to all aspects of this, adding supervision, the statement about supervision um, that is evidence-based, uh, uh, um, appropriate intensity and duration, uh, and meets... And meets positive youth development. Yeah, meets youth development. Follows positive youth development. Right. And is called and is and connects and the with CBOs. of grandparents who care to the um, category about placement because it's we want to make sure that we maximize the use of grandparents <laughs> in that in that and I think I'll make that motion. Second. <laughs> Second. Okay. Can we take a vote? President Brodkin. Yes. Commissioner Cervantes. Yes. Commissioner Jordan. Yes. Commissioner Laco. Yes. Commissioner Moses. Yes. And Commissioner Spingola. Motion passes. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I know everybody has like, okay, well, how's this really going to work? Is this going to get to everything I care about? Um, but I want to thank the commission for getting us started and allowing us to sort of start with this framework and we'll get to where you want to go. <laughs> moving on to moving, uh, on. Um, moving on to the number number three on the agenda. So number three on the agenda is what is, most people are concerned about here. No, it's yes. number four. Excuse it's me. It's number four. What we're what we're seeing on the screen right now is commit um Commission methodology for assessing the juvenile probation department's progress on meeting the preliminary goals. I want to make sure they can go back to seeing the, your charts. Okay, yeah. So right now we're looking at the agenda. We need to change the screen so that we can see the chart. That's what I assume okay. needs to happen. So that is. Mark I can't read the chart. To see to see which. To see what. Need to, to need to have the camera. It's it's nothing. It's not um, really detailed at this point. Okay. So, um, if, if possible to have the camera show the over by commissioner Jordan up on the wall, these charts. Can you, can you. So, I think the request is for you to stop sharing your screen so we can see the. Room. Oh, okay. You can't. Okay. So, for the purposes of those who cannot see the charts on the wall, what, what they say is that. For tonight, the very first thing we're going to do is approve the preliminary goals and then determine the process and criteria for hearings and um, for the hearings and the committee meetings. Right. So now we're going to be discussing what elements do you need in order to start to start diving into these things. And it is a it does tend to be a circular conversation. Um, we have had um, I've met with the president and the chief myself. The chief has met with the staff and a lot of different takes on how to how to launch the this exploration that you're all going to do and these discussions. 
Um, this is what I understand right now, and then you can take it from here, and we can hear from the other ex from the experts in the room. Is at this point you have scheduled for your June meeting um, a hearing on diversion, and diversion is one of the overarching subject matters that you're going to be discussing in general as part of your goals. So diversion will be your sort of beta test to see how in the heck these kind of hearings go. That said. The theory is, is that the department's going to come in and present as they would have presented in the past before you did these these votes right now. And then you're going to have to hunt this to the program committee to ask, you're going to ask questions that the department might not be able to answer that day. Then it goes to the program committee and and you ask a lot many more questions. You bring in other people, other questions. And this is a question I had earlier in a conversation earlier today, you might have to keep this in the program committee for two or three months, possibly. You might only need it for one month. So you'll be hearing something on, a, on the goal of diversion. It will go to the program committee. At your next commission meeting, you may start at yet another hearing, another subject matter. And this is going to take a lot. It's going to, you're going to be um, juggling a lot of balls because you're going to be introducing a subject. At the same time, you're going to be doing more in-depth analysis of the subject that came up at the hearings. I think my question to you is, do you have a better idea? <laughs> I mean, can you tolerate that level of um, having two, you know, at least two balls in the air at the same time where the program committee is doing and we have some real experts. I mean, Joanna, I'm looking at you. I mean, you've done a lot of research and and um, analysis for it in situations like this. You may have seen a different kind of methodology. The challenge is, is that you're doing this in this public setting like we're doing right now, which is, a, again, a very awkward room um, or a very awkward way to do it. So that's how the three of us have visualized it. But I'd um, like to hear what, how, I mean, what your initial responses to Let me just add one yes. clarifying thing. So the idea is how are we going to organize this? If we first, like say the first hearing is on diversion or on arrest and police charging, um, the idea was to develop a format for that meeting, which would be, and th this is what um, the chief and I thought of, but please. <laughs> your input, that at every hearing we would hear uh, uh, from the department, you know, their progress on that issue, where they are with that issue, whatever data they have developed on that issue, and whatever future plans they have on that issue, that we would then hear from whatever experts the commission wants to hear from or whatever community agencies. That's where I see we start a conversation with the community agencies. So we would, the before we have this meeting, the month before we'd say, hey, I really wanna hear from Mo Magic. I really wanna hear from uh, grandparents who care. I really wanna, you know, we would say, okay, who, uh, in the community, do we want to make sure we hear from what kind of experts do we want to? Is there somebody who's been studying this, um, you know, at the Vera Institute or somebody who's been studying this somewhere? So we would, we would plan the meeting ahead of time. We would make sure we that the department is there, um, giving the data and their plans. Um, we would make sure that we identified what experts we wanted there, that we identified what community people 
what community agencies we might want to hear from um, so that we are prepared to, to look at each one of these items. Was there something else that on our list? Well, and then, uh, no, I think the only other piece we talked about is that some of this conversation would happen at program committees so that this group would be talking about how do you want to lay out the topics you cover over time at some of that discourse, like brainstorming about experts and things like that would actually happen in program committee to then come back into the full. Well, group. we could decide how we wanted to do that. If we say, okay, the first hearing is on diversion. I want to make sure that the whole commission and the public hears from CARC since it's a major point of diversion. I want to make sure that they hear from the diversion um, DDAP, the diversion something advocacy um, project. I want to make sure that, um, you know, if anybody else, you, you, you have an uh, interest in diversion, we'll have that at our full hearing. We'll hear from the um, department. We'll hear the data and their plans. Then we send it over to the program committee. Then we discuss it. We say, oh my God, I have so many questions about this. Uh, we need to look more deeply into this aspect of it. We need to find out more about what the police department can and can't do. We have that meeting and we then send it to the program committee and say, these are the issues we want you to look at. This is what came up at our hearing. We want you to explore these issues and dig deeper with the department to figure out, was this a good goal? Do we want to make it much more explicit? So it doesn't say general stuff, it, that, that it is very specific. So I chaired the program committee for um, uh, you know, a year or whatever it was, and it's a much less formal environment. The meetings can be up at the Youth Guidance Center. It can be much more of a conversation so that it feels like there's real negotiations and opportunity. And you can say after the first program committee, you know, we need to know more. <laughs> Let's have another program committee. Or we need to ask the department to come back to us and say, you know, we still have a lot of questions. We want to know more about what you plan to do. So when you come back from the program with a report from the program committee, you you have you say we think this goal is accurate. We think it needs to be more detailed. We think that the department needs to do these three things to to achieve this, um, and we can either amend the goal or just. Uh, okay, the perspective of the program committee. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that last part that you said is very helpful that it's not just about the goal. It's about us coming up with recommendations to the department about what to do <laughs> that they can take or leave. Good point. Okay, so that is like a much clearer thing for us to be thinking about than like, do we like the goal or not? Right. Which you know, because we all like the goal, yeah. you know, the right. goal is sort of generic. Do you like motherhood and apple pie? So then you, you, we really yeah. delve into it. We have a hearing. We say, hey, we have a lot of questions, issues, program committee, deal with it. Come back with recommendations. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I think when we talk about prioritization, we sh which I think has come up a little bit, we should think about prioritizing kind of the most urgent things that also are 
really within the department's purview uh, because I hear Commissioner Spingola and arrest seems farther afield and may maybe it is a thing we should look at, but in terms of making recommendations to the department about what to do differently, I, that feels more limited to me. So maybe that's something we should think about when we when we think about prioritizing the the goals. So yeah, I I keep I keep hearing everything being referred to programs committee. So you know, program committee that means they will have to meet before the commission meeting. Well, the I, the idea that we had was that. The commission has a hearing on this and gets a general introduction right. to this topic. Gets a gets um, a, a progress. Sure. Gets information. Um, has the opportunity to invite in the community agencies or some, but and then and identifies you know sort of some of the issues that they want to hear have have the program committee address and then the com program committee can either bring back those people or delve further invite other people um have the uh, ability to actually debate <laughs> the you know what the recommendation should be actually this doesn't make you know the department's going to need three years to to actually get this to happen, or they need more staff to get this to happen, or you know. So you would come back with recommendations. It looks like they're not working enough with grandparents of care or with the you know some particular agencies, and you would come back um, to the to the commission with like we looked at this this is what we found out and we have the following three recommendations we want to make to the department about how to make sure we achieve this goal are you with me so, so at this at this point um president broadkin you're saying that you start at the full commission then you punt it to the program committee but prior to going to the full commission you entertain what's going to happen on the agenda the time before so right now at the end of this meeting, theoretically, you would have some conversation about who you wanted to hear from about diversion at the next meeting. So the full commission would be, but you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> and then so I do want to say, I mean, I said theoretically, the only reason so it is an unusual process. I mean, it, it's and it's going to have about 3 or 4 different steps in it as proposed right now. And the reason diversion has been on the agenda before we even did all this is that the department has been preparing a, a presentation for us and uh, on diversion, um, what they're planning to do and what that means. And so it made sense, one, because it's a priority. It's the priority of the um, closed juvenile hall working group plan. And the department has been preparing for this. And so it would be a good place to start. So you'll sort of have a halfway. You'll have a, you'll have the, the proposed model that you're talking about will be halfway next month. It won't be completely the way you are, are proposing it because you're not going to brainstorm at the end of this meeting what you need. Well, we can brainstorm right now. Well, let's get the rest of the. the the gang to the rest of the commission, excuse me, to weigh in on this somewhat convoluted, not convoluted, but you have to sort of look at how the pieces fall. Um, does it does it make some somewhat make sense to you to, to put some agenda items out and then hear them first, then go to the program committee and then bring them back um, with resolutions and or things to vote on, et cetera? 
Are you are you are you feeling a, a sense of comfort with this model that's being proposed? Can I ask a clarifying question? So the the program committee would then meet with the people presenting on a specific topic, or the commission as a whole would meet. The commission as a whole would meet. Then yes, I feel comfortable. Right. <laughs> but then the program committee through the chair of the program committee could say we had a great presentation from. Cark, we need to know more. Mm -hmm. They should come back to the program committee. Okay. We we know what the department is doing. I want to hear more detail. Um, the controversial issue is: Are we diverting enough at the front end of the system? Let's you know let let's bring in some of the data that you know that that, that addresses that. Okay. It's it's a way to have a general introduction, not. Put that entire burden on the program committee and let the program committee do what it can do best, which is to really delve further into it and actually come up with recommendations, which is. It was our best thinking other can I other say? ideas. So, so my question is, does it go on agenda 1st? Yeah, you, the commission will decide which of these things. Yes, should so be on the on agenda 1st. It come to the commission. And right. the program committee picks it up right. and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to meet, we need to meet on this more. Right. Okay. So you, so, because I mean, because everything, I am watching everybody's body movement up in here. And it just seems to me like every, this conversation has been being had, right? And you, and we still, you guys, even with you all who came with it, don't, it's not, well, it's not fully the, understood yet. This That's is right. a proposal to then get you, I mean, the phrase that I use is we need your fingerprints on this. <laughs> we need you to want to do it this way. So we're asking for your feedback. And this is a, a first, I mean, this is, you know, a best, the best thinking of this two, the two leaders of your commission and your department. Um, I weighed in some, but I pretty much took guidance from them. And we're asking you, is this, is this the way that you'd like to, to run with these different items? Or do you have another, another way that you'd like to, be, you know, to hear these in a different order? It's it's not tried and true. This is a totally a logistics conversation right now. Completely oh, yeah. logistics. I'm ready to go ahead, Chief. Yeah, I, I think um I think I would like to offer what's in my brain right now, which is to to President Brodkin's point. We already have a topic for June. We already have speakers invited for June. We already have data being done by the department for June. So in some way, June is gonna be it an opportunity for you to see by and large to see like how we would have already put the meeting together and feel out whether that feels right for future topics, whether you want to think about doing things differently. So to some degree like that, that, that those wheels are in motion because that's in a month. Um, one thing that uh, President Brogdon and I talked about this morning that I would like to offer is I, I do, I, I think that, uh, we talked about and what I think makes sense is for this body as a body to be deciding, you know, for the next three hearings, we think these three topics, right? To always be meet discussing like several topics out, what you're gonna want the focus to be, because it does take time for us to do the analysis and data. Um, so the topics being selected here, and obviously if folks here have initial thoughts about speakers or ideas you want covered to bring it up here, I think it would be also very nice and we talked about this this morning for the program committee to have a standing agenda item of, okay, for the next three months out, four months out, we know what the topics are. Let's make sure we're checking in and thinking about 
what we need to be doing to be planning those meetings, right? Because sometimes some folks, some experts you may want, you may need to reach out to three months in advance to make sure your date works for them, right? So I think that the topics come up here, but in the program committee, you are doing a little more fleshing out in advance of those meetings for the details. And then after you all debate and discuss here, like what Commissioner Brockin described, there will be follow-up items that will go back to the program committee for a continuing work and deepened conversation. I think James is right that we're experimenting. We're going to see how this goes. And it, we may change after we do it twice, we may say, you know, <laughs> this is not working the way we, we hoped it would. I, I, I'm asking for, let's start somewhere, have enough flexibility so that it, it, we can say, hey, it, it is or isn't working, or the commissioners need more input at the very beginning of this process um, and not leave everything to the program committee. So uh, this was our best thinking about how to how to sort of approach this with the idea that we could be flexible. Um, what, what I would like to suggest right now is that we do the same thing that we did on the other one is that we get a comment. We get a comment from each commissioner on these, this proposed process to start these hearings. So, Commissioner Jordan, do you mind if I call on you first and just give us your, you want to go to number two? Okay. I think everyone's going to want to join the program committee now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I welcome you. Uh, no, I, I think it's worth trying. Um, it feels like a lot of items for the program committee in any one time. So, we're going to have to see how to manage that. Um, both the planning and the deep dive uh, pieces. So we'll we'll just see how that goes. I think. Yeah, I think that's the best way to. Yeah, um, but I'm willing to try it. Oh, um, sorry. The one other thing I'll say was in my mind, I'm thinking. Part of the job is to of the program committee will be to reconcile the blue ribbon commission recommendations, the closed juvenile hall recommendations what the department says they're actually already doing and what's feasible and where the gaps are between all of those things uh, and among like i would want in the hearings to hear not just from community organizations and staff but to hear from people who are experiencing these systems and what is is and is not working for them so you hit the nail on the head so i um i think my my understanding of the process, I agree to if um, we're able to have the full commission meetings, be able to also say in advance who we would like to hear from for the full commission meeting right. and then the planning, which would be, I think, just like the, right. the eagle's eye view. And then the planning commission could have the more um, in-depth view and have more perhaps expert and less. Uh, an overview. My, if I may, I'm going to offer something that I want to be like a in the early. I know they're all priorities, but an earlier um, goal would just be to addressing the juvenile hall and creating a non-institutional home-like place. To me, that is urgent. Um, so I, I think that should be in the next few months. Mm -hmm. The juvenile hall. Oh, yeah. 
Commissioner Moses? Well, I think in theory, on paper, I think, you know, sounds good. But in practice, I'm a little bit skeptical. And the reason why I'm skeptical, I don't know whether it's going to really work out. But we can give it a try. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll go back to square one. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, President Brockett, I know she has a vision. And, you know, I, you know, for me, you all, it's always about impact, right? What do I do to make a difference? And how, and when we have these conversations about what we're, what we're planning and what we're doing, is like, how long does it take and how many reports do we need to make a change and have an impact, right? So if we do, we'll use divergent, what we have coming up in June, we we just, we, we gonna go with, well, I'm gonna see, I just wanna see, you know, like what is, how long is it gonna take to have this conversation that, you know, whether it goes somewhere or it don't, but you're telling program committee that they're gonna be in conversation about one item for almost six months or five months. So, I mean, however long they feel that they got to dig, they're going to dig. So, if it's three, four, you only meet once a month, how long do you think come program cram committee going to be in conversation? Right. No, you can, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. I don't think, I think that my, what, I mean, to what everyone's point, we're feeling our way through it. I think that some of your full meetings will have longer follow-up to-do lists than others about different topics. So in my mind, it's, I, I would imagine, I can't see Commissioner Laco, who's like the person I most need to see, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, to my mind, it, it, you know, I could imagine that sometime that your program committee meetings could have a few agenda items that are follow-ups from a few hearings you had throughout the year. Right? So, okay, we came out of the discussion about diversion with like a few follow-up questions. Like part of the next meetings may be, where are we on those? Do we need to do something else? It's not that each program committee then just becomes a, a recap of a hearing on a specific topic. I think you'll be um, tracking a few different topics and follow-up items over time. So I, I don't think we see it as like the program committee we do talk about diversion here and then the program committee only digs into that for a series of months. A lot of it's going to be telling us to dig into things, right? And we'll be coming back and reporting on those things. Yeah. And when you and when you say it like that and telling you all to dig into it, I, I, I get it. I understand it right. But, you know, like the commissioner said earlier, and then it's the urgency of what's happening with juvenile at the same time. So do I spend my time, you know, working on goals, that's not gonna be part of the transition. You know, so what happens with all that? What? So just, you know, the whole piece of it all. So I just don't wanna waste a whole lot of time on, on something that just doesn't have an impact. And it's just, we, you know, I feel like, you know, for me, I'm just telling you all for me, and it's just my opinion, you know, like let's not be that smoke screen that, you know, we having all these conversations in here and there's something else going on behind closed doors and juvenile is packing up and all the, and everything. They didn't do the blue ribbon panel 
and have all these shut and have all this shut down juvenile hall and something's not gonna come of it. So it is an urgency there in the process of everything else. So that's why I'm saying I just don't want to be in a space where okay, we've been on these goals for, you know, two a year and you know, we look up and they, they don't already found a facility or did something already and we, you know, like we 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 behind the eight ball again. So that's just that's just me. No, it's everybody. Yeah, yeah. We're all with you. Yeah. We've all been on a thousand committees that have come up with paper that goes nowhere. So I think that you're expressing something that no one wants to be on the commission to just talk in general and not get down into it. But I do want to make a comment too, which is our job is not to do it. Our job is to see that the department does it. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like we have to do all this. Mm -hmm. They got, you know, they have a budget of $40 million a year to do it. So, you know, our job is to make the recommendations. So that's just um, for some perspective on that. Uh, yeah. Hey, I was talking to Pauline about we, we got a request to have the screen be the meeting, not just uh, the list of goals. Yeah, it, it was like Let that at the beginning of the meeting. Let me take it down. We what? were on the we were on the camera at the beginning of the meeting. We we can take it down for us. I think the issue is the people watching remotely. They can't see us. They still see them. Yeah. Yeah. But why? Yeah. I don't understand why we can't. That's what she said. Well, while we work on that, oh, really? same thing happened. Really? Because they were showing the meeting earlier. Oh, that's Commissioner Jordan, do you want to chime in and give us your take on these proposals on this proposed logistic that we've been talking about? Oh, uh, yes. Then we can put it to rest. Yes. Um, for me, I like the, the process that was discussed um, that ends with recommendations to the department. And the only way we can get to the recommendations is to hear the information, prioritize it and uh, analyze it. And I think that's what's important to see what what's happening, what's not happening, pick up the gaps and address those. I see the gaps as being part of our recommendation. Um, just like we do have um, in diversion where it says uh, ensure youth are returned to home as quickly as possible. And the young lady was like, I don't hear anything about family unification. Mm -hmm. So then it's not about not with of it not being here, but about of it being a bullet point. You know what I'm saying? And so in, in its other areas that that topic was also addressed. I think it's the other one was under detention and a couple of other places, but being um, very intentional about what we're going to discuss and then building out this this methodology of how we're going to address it is very important. Um, the experts, I, I would be concerned about experts because everybody who says they're one, they're not, but <laughs> we can bring in organizations and individuals to address whatever the topic is. And with our next topic being diversion, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big topic. That's a pretty big topic. So I'm in favor of this. I would only want to make sure that um, we have a, we have all voices present. That's all my concern. We have all voices, including youth, including former incarcerated young people. 
And um, we already called out families, but including formerly incarcerated youth and parents that we make sure that they're. I think we ought to be very explicit about that yeah. on our list of like, we want to hear from the department, we want to hear from the community, we want to hear from the experts, and we want to hear for those impacted. That's right. Both parents and young people. That's right. And grandparents. Okay. So on your agenda, it asks for a motion to move forward. Is that correct? Before, before we make a public comment. Yes, I am now calling for public comment on this uh, conversation. Give me more. No public comment. Okay, so I would entertain a motion to approve uh, the methodology to examine, discuss, and finalize the preliminary goals through regular commission hearings on each goal, discussions at the program committee with referrals from the program committee to the full commission for recommendations with a calendar developed in collaboration between the chief and the president of the commission. There's a, it's gonna be logistic nightmare. So I, I don't think we, to, um, so, and I, I want to put in what you just said into that, that when we discuss these issues, it will include reports from the department, mm -hmm. reports from community agencies, reports from experts as desired, mm -hmm. and input from the parents and young people impacted by the yeah. system. Those four things. Can we say caregivers? Caregivers, better. Thank you. So, I actually wrote this down. If that was a little confusing, if people, I, does that sound like a motion that you would be interested? As a method with uh, Linda's caveat and the. Uh, it's the second motion. I'll make the motion. Yes, <laughs> President Brodkin. Yes. Commissioner Cervantes. Yes. Commissioner Jordan. Yes. Commissioner Laco. Yes. Commissioner Moses. Yes. And Commissioner Spangola. Yes. Motion passes. I love you all. Make <laughs> <laughs> it work. You make it work too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the next thing on the agenda are any specifics about the next three or four meetings that we want to have. Um, so this would be a time where you could say, if we're going to talk about diversion, here's what I want to make sure we hear from. And I would like to hear from the Detention Diversion Advocacy Project. Um, so you can say anybody you'd like to hear from. and. Also, what of these issues you want to prioritize to discuss in the upcoming meetings with the rec with the understanding that it may get a little mixed up if you want to decide oh, I want to hear from the police, but we can't get that scheduled for two months. Um, but that basically it will be the commission saying here are the issue uh, uh, here's the issues we want to deal with and 
um, here are the people we want to be sure to hear from. And just please just to uh, just to identify who already is on the uh, hook for the June meeting on diversion. So our plan had been to obviously uh, have Kark make a presentation because that is kind of the official program at intake, right? For the city, and we also asked the district attorney to present on the the DA diversion. So the diversion that they do at the at their charging decision. So those are already in the mix for us, and I just wanted to make sure that they were. Uh, hope that you were aware of that. Can so, I? Uh, maybe we go around and do the input again with like, so what yeah. what do you want to prioritize, and who do you want to have it on? Um, the diversion. So you have two questions in front of you. Yeah. So once again, um, Commissioner Jordan, can we start with you on this one? <laughs> well, actually, you know what? Let's go in the reverse order. Commissioner. I agree with Commissioner Jordan that um, if we definitely bring in um, young people that have been affected by the system and young people that's been through the system and out of the system and caregivers as well to see the impact it had on them. Any other priorities for, for issues? What issues would be a priority for you? I'm, I'm, I'm just running with the divergent right now and okay. see how this divergent turn out. Let's just do the divergent. Let's, I mean, for me, it's more about like, let's jump in on divergent. President Brackett, I thought that we weren't going to do that. Right? That the two of you were going to see if you could align this up and then bring it back to the group. Wasn't that very well, yeah, you just want to hear a general feeling no, I, because it was okay. expressed. Somebody said, I really want to hear about the juvenile hall. Okay, fair enough. so, um, okay. So you have 2 questions in front of you. Do you have any other priorities? Okay. They're all pretty high priority. Commissioner Moses, I agree. Um, I'd like to hear from make it right. That will be at the diversion. Okay. Um. And I think that's, and then I, and then of course we'll hear from JPD about how they're supervising diversion, I assume. Okay. Um, and then for priorities, the juvenile hall, um, I, I do think that the, um, the disparate impact is something that is urgent. Um, so, to me, having an interdepartmental collaboration is how we get there. So, that we can't do. I'm sorry. So, the interdepartmental collaboration goal is how we get to actually make an impact beyond here, um, which I know those are messy and frustrating committees, but um, that's a priority for me as well. Um. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know, we could talk about what kind of information is going to be brought from the department about diversion. I know you guys have been working on it, um, but there's some things I'm interested in, like, just, just like time to disposition, just understanding how long a youth is involved in the process when they're diverted versus not um, and things, things like that. Um, we could talk about that. Uh, I do think juvenile hall, like, we have to take up the juvenile hall issue. <laughs> it's everyone has called on called for it. If we want to be able to say something about it, I think we need to focus on it. Um, 
and there's a lot there are a lot of existing resources that have you know that many groups and people have weighed in on in the city over years now so i think getting our heads around all of that should be a priority after diversion um we also we had um a presentation on make it right at an earlier commission meeting so there are materials we could share from that um for myself i agree with my commissioners um definitely our youth and their caregivers uh be it parents grandparents or court appointed uh, definitely court appointed um advocates we need to hear from them we need to hear from social workers who are working um, who are appointed to students students there i go again appointed to students um and we need to um we need to hear from those individuals who are working to build out educational diversion opportunities. Um, there's one I know of, I don't know the name of it, but it's definitely a part of San Francisco where um, young people can go and take, they get, I think, 12 units in ethnic studies through San Francisco State. And it puts them in a category that they can then move on into City College and continue their educational journey. And it's it's changing lives, and that's something I think personally I'm totally interested in understanding to see how that can be ex how that can be expanded. Even though our numbers are low, but I think it's possibility. Um, there are ways that we can look at that 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 can be built out. So those are my recommendations, and um, yeah, I'm all about make it right. Don't get me wrong, I love make it right, but I'm also about learning about increasing academic performance, which then increases one's um, self-worth and move making changes. So those things. Commissioner Jordan, can you um, find out the name of the agency you're 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 making reference to number sure. one, and if there are other specific um, academic uh, enrichment or uh, academic support agencies, uh, if, if you could let um, the chief know? department know. Yes. Is that there? Yeah. I think the chief knows. I think, well, I think that the ethnic studies class you're referring to, we already have like one young person in the hall doing right now. So, but I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it offline. Okay. And uh, so the more specific you, you all can be about who you want to have come, the, the more likely we'll get there. And so I don't think we should just rely on the department to have young people who are impacted come to our hearings. So I would look at <laughs> um, Commissioner Spangola, uh, people who are sort of active in the field right now, maybe um, Commissioner Moses to play a role in the outreach to make sure that we do hear the voices of the people impacted. If I would just add, just would want to add one point as you're thinking about having young people come in who've been impacted just to remember that this is a very public place. These are public conversations, they're recorded, and so giving thought to, and this is a confidential system, the juvenile justice system, so uh, figuring out how to thread that needle and make this a welcoming place for young people without inadvertently putting them into the public eye if they may not have uh, 
thought that all the way through. So we should think about how that could so work. I'm having a little bit of a nervous breakdown here because I'm trying to sort out what's the department's job to sort of help organize this versus our secretary's job, which is expanding now <laughs> to help um, wh whose job it will be to get the court appointed advocates, to get the um, educational agencies, to, you know, say to Commissioner Spangola, are there some young people um, that you are working with who would be willing to come? So I, I, we're gonna have to sort through that. Um, do you have any thoughts about that, Secretary? <laughs> no, I was asking our Secretary, Pauline. I, I can work with them, whoever, if you'd like me to work with Commissioner Spangola, I can definitely work Sorry. with him or whichever commissioner you'd like me to work with to see who could come. So I, I'd like to sort of have that line of communication open so that uh, Commissioner Jordan, when you get your ideas, you, you contact Pauline. I would appreciate being CC'd on it, but, um, no um, but so that commissioners can say, and I also think there should be latitude to say, you know, if you have a brainstorm tomorrow night, that you can have the latitude. To, I, I think this would work out all right to contact the secretary and say, you know, it just occurred to me that we really need someone from San Francisco State too, or we want to need somebody from, you know, the uh, the unified school district. Mm -hmm. So it, that's sort of an addition to the process that we just developed. We'll see how it works. I mean, it, it has the potential of being a, a bit of a crazy, you know, too much, but I, I, I'm not worried about that as much as I do. Can I say something? In protection of youth who um, might have um, a narrative to share with us, but it might not be appropriate for them to be present, um, uh, things that can be done is it can be written right and read right you know just to, for their protection right for their comfort yeah you know they might want to tell their stories but they might not want to show up right i i agree commissioner um agree. We, we would definitely if i was to ask then i mean they they would know the situation and it's there you know it'll be up to them and we we have right now you have your cbo's that's actually here with you as before the pandemic hit, that they were already here, you know, willing to speak up. So it's not right. it's not hard to find okay. some young people that have been through the system that want to come and tell a story. Uh, but yeah, we, it, we can even do some virtual. It doesn't, you know, however you guys, however they feel they comfortable or whatever they comfortable with, even when we talk about the space. You can't hear you. Even when we talk about the space, however they comfortable or what they comfortable with is, we'll make it work. Okay. Okay, I, I want to put one more little thing into this. Do you want to talk about a potential, uh, the, the annual report? Because I'm trying to sort of sew up with, okay, we'll have the next meeting on diversion. We will try to put together a meeting about the juvenile hall. Um, I don't know what other issues um, are sort of perkling up in people's brains. Um, to prioritize, I am interested in prioritizing the issue around community based organizations. Um, and our chief has another possibility here. 
Well, it sounds like if folks have a list of different topics, then I think that's that makes sense. Um, we had been talking internally about whether it made sense for the July meeting to be an opportunity for us to go over um, essentially our annual report from last year as a as a baseline for everybody and for folks for whom some of this information is new. But I feel like we're hearing specific topics. I, I would ask the question in relation to juvenile hall. Um, about what it is that folks want to hear about and talk about. There's so much to that right now. There's how does juvenile hall operate right now? There's what is happening with the city in terms of all the planning around the hall. Um, you know, those those are very different kind of topics, and I think there's always space for both. But it would it would be good to have some clarity on um, what is the way that the commission wants to be informed and think about the topic. So are you saying I, I I didn't understand? You don't want to do the data thing in July, or I I think we were we were suggesting it if there was if you weren't going to be able to as a commission identify specific topics for July that we were able to bring speakers in on, right? So we had a, we had originally brainstormed whether arrest starting at the left hand column whether it would be arrest. Honestly, didn't know whether we could bring the police, bring the DA in in July, right? Because of their own commitments and obligations. So I had offered that up to you. If there isn't a topic that it might be a good level setting to go over that 2021 kind of annual analysis. Um, but I hear a lot of urgency to start talking about right. topics. So I, I don't think we need to go okay. forward with that. Okay. So then just to summarize this conversation. Can I do that? Please. <laughs> Um, the next one will be on diversion. We have, we don't have a meeting in August, by the way, traditionally. So if we can have a meeting in, if, if the meeting in July can be about the juvenile hall, that will be a little bit like, we're going to know exactly what the soups think, um, but not till September. So let's postpone it to September when we'll have a lot more information. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, Aside from that, I'm. Was that, excuse me, Commission, was, was that a statement or was that just something you just said? That was, um, I, I, uh, that was a, an explanation of why it might be better to do it in September okay. than July, depending on what comes up in the next month or two. I, I mean, there is a lot to review in, yeah. in regard to juvenile hall, so. It would be good to really think through who we want to be there and make sure we get the right, right people to present. I mean, I'd like to hear about alternative models from other places, you know, in that and what legal constraints we are under. <laughs> what is the realm of possibility and what are ways we can meet those legal constraints creatively that are better? Um, so that might just take a little bit of planning. Mm -hmm. So, aside from the juvenile hall, I brought up the issue around community based organizations and the need to sort of, um, I, I brought up the issue of community based organizations, one that's a priority for me. Um, Katie, our chief, raised the issue. Of arrest and and the potential to sort um, meet with police, the police department uh, about the connection between police and probation uh, in order to 
increased diversion at uh, the point of arrest. Uh, is that a priority for anyone here? You want to just. I think that everyone was ceding to the 2 of you to come up with a proposed calendar. That's what I heard people say. No, I heard people. I heard people say that, that they had ideas about priorities and that we should right, honor you've got, those. You've got three yeah, priorities. I mean, I'd say arrest was lower on the priority list just from. The purview of, okay. of probation, I would go. I'm wondering if we should focus on these system wide ones 1st. Um, which yeah. is kind of where we're focusing. We're doing diversion. We want to talk about juvenile hall. We want to talk about interdepartmental collaboration. We could do those 3. I think we also should look at case. Uh, case planning, because there's a number of different individuals that are part of that, including families. Okay. If we're talking about a diversion, right? For some young people, what are we doing to support those who are going to support the young people? Okay, who's so, out there doing that work? So, what I would like permission to do, and I think we agreed to do, I will work with the chief on those four uh, things that people have said they're interested in about. In what order makes the most sense? Who can we get to come in? And. Once we have said, okay, I think we can pull this off in July at the end of our June meeting. What we will do is talk about the people you want to make you want to have at that meeting. Let's say July July is going to be on the juvenile hall. That would be when you would say, I want to make sure we hear from. You know, whoever <laughs> about that. Am I right? Um, so I, I feel like we're getting right into the situation that we're most concerned about at probation, which is that. Talking in at the June meeting about who you want at the July meeting, I think is not going to position us well. To be able to pull those meetings off. That's that's why I think for us, we're really interested in making and having the commission, either the commission or us sitting down and figuring out what like always be working 3 months out and what the topic is so that we have the time to bring those people into the space. I think it's going to be very hard for us to be doing it in that way. 1 meeting out. I think you'll often not get the folks there that we really want to make sure we hear from. And we know for us. The data will be what we will not be able to do kind of the good job with a data analysis okay. for you that way. So what, can I, what can would I you prefer something? When I when I brought up case planning, I didn't mean for July. Right, no, I know. I know, but it really closely related to debate. Okay. So let's give the department the latitude to take the issues that we've identified and figure out what makes sense in terms of order, but they already have a whole uh, you know, are prepared to Percent what will take 2 months to put a meeting together. What will take 3 months to put a meeting together. And we'll come back and report on that at the June meeting. Welcome. <laughs> okay, you, I'm totally psyched. Did you take a vote? It's, it's not an action item. Okay. We have to have public. I mean, we're very eager to have public comment right now because we care deeply what the public thinks. So we are going to take public comment right now. I can see this is inspired it's a little bit redundant. I know, but you need to take public comment on the item you just finished, which I understand to be item 5 and then you the next item is general public comment on items that aren't on the agenda. 
So I don't think there's public comment on that. What I want to do is amend the agenda a little bit right this minute. Um, I know there are people who want to come and make public comment to this commission, and I had predicted that that would be at 7.15. So I would like to do the, um, the uh, electronic monitoring uh, issue first, and then do the general public comment after that, unless anybody objects. So I want to thank Nancy Rubin for having flown here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't, I, I apologize. I don't feel like I assisted you that much. Yes, you but, did. But if I can in the future, let's know. Yes, I did. And I, I just want to thank, thank her for Okay, so now we're going to have a report on um, electronic monitoring, and I would like to say that for uh, it's one of the first issues that was brought up to me um, when I got on the commission, enormous concerns about electronic monitoring and how it's used and, um, you know, its benefits as well as its um, liabilities. So I'm thrilled to welcome um, but I can't, I didn't know your name. Scarlett Saunders. But I know <laughs> Scarlett Saunders. And um, our chief will introduce you officially, and then we're eager to hear your report. Thank sure. You. So uh, some of you may remember from last year when we had an amazing student from the Goldman School of Public Policy who came and spoke to you all about placement. And so she did as her project at school, a real look at the way placement worked, didn't work, made some great recommendations, some of which have turned into reality in the way we practice, do our work here in San Francisco. So I'm very excited to have Scarlett Saunders here today from the Goldman School of Public Policy, graduating like this moment, I feel like. Um, but Scarlett has been working with us to bring to you her analysis on the ways that we use electronic monitoring here in San Francisco. She looked at the data, she spoke to people to hear about their experiences and get their input and also has some great recommendations. So I will hand it over to Scarlett. I'm very excited for her to present. And of course, want to uh, thank Maria for working with her and all the folks at probation who spoke with her and met with her along the way as well. And Scarlett, take it away. Thank you so much all for having me here tonight. I think will the slideshow be up on the screen? This better. Uh, okay. uh, it's not up yet. Okay, we'll have the awkward moment while we wait. Um, what's the name of the document? I'm not sure if I received it. Not sure. Pauline, are you sharing it? No, um, Michael. It, it's the. Um, It's an electronic monitoring program. Mm, I don't think I received that one. Can you want to send it to me now? Oh, wait, wait. Oh, it's a different. It's not a, okay. I do have it. Hold on. Uh, okay. 
Is it displaying now? It's displaying. We're seeing it with the two slides. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All set. Great. Uh, thank you. So I will be presenting on my evaluation of JPD's electronic monitoring program, specifically as an alternative to detention. We know this is really important for JPD, considering that they do, they have committed to um, ending unnecessary detention, but also generally electronic monitoring, monitoring, particularly for youth, isn't well studied in research, making this all the more important. Uh, can we go to the next slide? Uh, so as a quick background on how electronic monitoring works. It's only used on youth uh, here in San Francisco when court ordered by a judge, and that can be used either as an alternative to detention. Um, so for youth who are currently detained, this can be a tool to have them released, or it can be used as a graduated san sanction for youth who are currently released, um, but are at risk of being detained because they're not meeting probation conditions. Uh, as a a uh, participant in the program, youth wear a angle monitor with GPS tracking capability. All youth are also given a curfew, and most are given stay-away orders, or they're forbidden from entering specific geographic areas. They're also responsible for keeping the device charged, which takes about two hours every day. And they may be enrolled in other programs and have other probation conditions at the same time. Success is decided by the judge and whatever time frame the judge sees necessary. And Throughout this evaluation, I'll be talking about success rates. And again, that's um, based purely on the judge's definition of whether it was successful or not. Um, going on to the next slide, thank you. Uh, so in my project, I looked specifically at how it affected youth well-being and public safety. And where possible, I tried to compare these outcomes to detention at Juvenile Hall um, and JPD's other two detention alternatives to provide context. And for those who aren't familiar with it, the Evening Reporting Center program is run through young community developers. And in this program, youth are picked up after school and taken to a center where they'll engage in life skill building activities, get homework help, go on field trips until they're dropped off at home at 8 p.m. Home detention is run by Mission Neighborhood Centers. And in this program, youth are connected with a case manager who will provide daily curfew calls to make sure that they're home at night, as well as connect youth to any needed services. Can we, next slide, please. For this project, I conducted a uh, literature review, and I also talked to 15 different stakeholders, including JPD staff and probation officers. I talked to a former program participant, as well as a former juvenile court judge here in San Francisco. I also talked to staff members at local community-based organizations and staff at other local departments with electronic monitoring programs. And I received data from JPD, not only on all electronic monitoring episodes over uh, the time period between July 2018 and December 2021, but I also received um, information on all referrals, bookings, court-ordered conditions, and petitions during this time period. So going on to the next slide, please. Jumping into the findings, go one more. Between mid-2018 to the end of 2021, there were nearly 450 times uh, where electronic monitoring was used, and it was used on 288 youth. 
Um, the average age at enrollment was about 16, but some youth were as young as 12 or as old as 22. And um, youth could be enrolled multiple times in the program, and a youth that was on electronic monitoring on average was had 1.6 episodes, and a few had up to six. The average length of the program was 54 days, but again, as some youth were on this multiple times, the average time in total that the youth spent on electronic monitoring during this period was 84 days. Um, in my evaluation, there were several benefits to youth that were identified. First, any time it came up in interviews, all interviewees agreed that this is better than detention for the youth. Um, it returns youth to their homes, gets them back with their friends and families, and it's a, sm a smaller disruption on daily life. So they can go back to school, um, be a part of any programs, services, or extracurricular activities that they were already a part of. I additionally heard that it can be helpful for reinforcing parental authority. Some interviewees even mentioned that parents will request electronic monitoring for their child because it can give them peace of mind to know that their kid's going to be home at night, they're going to be where they're supposed to be, um, and it helps. the program helps uh, to get kids to listen to parents. Uh, most importantly, I heard that this program can help to protect the youth. By design, the program is meant to help separate youth from some of the dangerous places, situations, and people that promoted their criminal involvement in the first place. But I also heard from interviewees, including the former program participant, that it can serve as an excuse for some youth to get out of peer pressured activities that they don't want to be a part of. Um, for instance, if someone wants them to come out late at night and do something that they don't want to do, they can point to the device and say, oh, I can't, they're tracking me, I have to stay home. Um, on to the next slide, please. We go one more, please. Yep, sorry, for some reason it's not moving. Okay, here we go. Um, however, there were some uh, main harms to youth and families that are important to go over, including the deprivation of liberty, the stigma that comes from the device, the difficulty given age, and racial and ethnic disparities, and I'll go into detail on each of these. Uh, in terms of deprivations of liberty, just like detention, electronic monitoring can have a very big psychological toll on youth. I heard from several service provider staff that youth report feeling like they're still incarcerated while wearing the device. And when talking to the former um, program participant, he shared um, how disheartening it can be to be on this program. There were days where he would go to school, go to work, do his homework, do everything that he felt like he was supposed to be doing, and then see the device at the end of the night and feel bad about himself. Scarlett, we have a couple people asking to just slow down a little bit. I think it's hard with the mask and the microphone. So, and we know we're trying to get you to speak fast tonight, but um, permission to speak less we'll fast. Hear, yeah, hear you. And the the mask policy in City Hall, as I understand it, is it's optional. So, if you wanted to take off your mask for the, the presentation, if you felt comfortable, you could. You, you could. Um, sure, if that's easier. Uh, all right, I'll try and slow down. Thank you for that. Uh, so it can still be very traumatic for youth that are involved. Also, my evaluation found a high reincarceration rate. So one third of program failures lead to reincarceration, and on average, that time is about a month long. Um, and so that means that for one in eight times that this program was used, it was not actually an alternative to detention. It ended up just delaying detention at best. 
I also heard from staff that electronic monitoring is sometimes used on out-of-county youth because there are no other ways to surveil youth outside of the city. They just don't have the same service connection. And in running a statistical model, I did see not only that are out-of-county youth more likely to be released with electronic monitoring when released, but they're actually also more likely to be detained than released at all. Finally, I heard in interviews uh, that some people think that the program is longer than it needs to be. Two probation officers mentioned that 90 days is uh, the longest you would need because at that point you already know whether the youth is going to succeed or not. I also heard from a couple of interviewees that two weeks could be all that you need to really see whether this program is working for the youth or not. And if we can go to the next slide, um, this graph here shows how episodes lasting different lengths of time have different average success rates. So up to the point of episodes lasting four to six weeks, the additional time is related to generally higher average success rates. However, after this time, it stabilizes, uh, which also suggests that additional time is not always um, necessarily providing additional success opportunities. I also heard that the um, stigma from the device can be very harmful to youth. I think the best way to see this is specifically, again, through the former participant's experience, where he shared that extended family members and others in the community began to look at him like he was the worst of the worst. People made fun of him at school, on the bus, and on the street. And he also was worried about the device being seen at his job in case it got him fired. And so in addition to the psychological toll um, that he had while in the program, it began to affect his relationships and how he was seen in the community and could also be affecting use opportunity to um, or access to opportunities if teachers start to see them as criminals, if their service providers start to see them as criminals and not as people. I also saw that this program is not necessarily appropriate given the natural uh, mental development of youth. You can see in the graph here that ages heavily correlated with whether someone is going to succeed in the program or not. Those who are under the age of 14 succeeded only 12% of the time, but that percentage went up to 75% for those that were 18 and older. Um, and a lot of this I saw in the literature review is sort of expected given that um, youth are impulsive. It's hard to adhere to curfews and stay out of areas that you're not supposed to stay out of. Um, remembering to charge the device can be really difficult. And here, every additional age um, is associated with a 10 percentage point higher uh, success rate. There are also still large racial and ethnic disparities in the program. Participation proportions are actually still very similar um, in electronic monitoring as they are to detention and other detention alternatives but they're actually slightly smaller in electronic monitoring, which could be an indication that some youth, particularly African-American, Asian-American, and Pacific Islander youth, are getting caught in detention and not placed on this detention alternative. However, I run, ran a statistical model trying to um, identify what factors are predictive of what detention decision a youth will receive, and race was not predictive um, on that measure, and if anything, uh, the direction of those coefficients indicated that minorities might be more really likely to receive the less restrictive alternative. Um, but there are still very problematic disparities also in how youth are exposed to the program. 
so first, African-American, Asian-American, and Pacific Islander youth um, are the highest average count of episodes of electronic monitoring, while white youth have the lowest number of episodes on average. Uh, they also spend, uh, white youth spend considerably less time um, in the program. In this graph, you can see several different measures of how long youth are spending on the program, and white youth spend the least amount of time by any measure here. The age at first enrollment also varies greatly. All of the youth that were under the age of 14 when first placed on the program were youth of color. The youngest white participant on contrast was 16. And finally, there are differences in program success rates. White participants succeed in the program at 1.5 times the rate of uh, peers of color. Um, and if you, based on the statistical model that I looked at, um, the reason for that is likely these differences in the number of times, the length of time, um, and age at which people are first put on this program. Turning then to public safety, I looked at several different definitions and measures of recidivism and found that youth that are placed on electronic monitoring have 0.64 referrals overall and about 0.4 more referrals leading to petition than youth that are detained. There's no difference uh, that's statistical uh, between the number of referrals involving new criminal offenses. One thing that is important to think about when looking at this comparison group is that these groups don't have exactly the same capacity to reoffend because the youth that were detained were detained for at least part or all of the series um, time period, so um, didn't have the same capacity to reoffend as those um, on electronic monitoring. When comparing those who are released without electronic monitoring to those released with, there's no statistically significant difference in recidivism. I also heard from many interviewees that responses to any violations in the program are slow and inconsistent, and that this can be very frustrating to staff, to the juvenile court judge, and to parents. And interviewees also stress that if responses to violations aren't going to be adequate, then it isn't upholding public safety and instead is just a punitive measure for youth that are being released. Um, so generally, I found a lot of harms in this program, um, making it sort of inadequate given JP's goals as um, a progressive uh, provider of services to justice-involved youth. And so generally, this shouldn't be the department's method of getting youth out of detention and moving away from juvenile hall. Um, in the meantime, while a better solution is being formed, this may still be some youth's only opportunity for getting out of detention, however. Uh, so I have recommendations for how to minimize some of the harm of the program, as well as build up some of the other alternatives available to the department. I won't go through all of these, but generally um, changing the device could be really important, uh, making something that's going to be less conspicuous and decrease the amount of charging required would not only get rid of a lot of the stigma of the device, uh, but would make it more accessible to youth because uh, there are responsibilities would go down. The program should never be used on youth under the age of 14. And then for any youth that it will be uh, used for, there need to be clear eligibility guidelines to make sure that this program is within their capacity uh, to fulfill, but also that no other detention alternative is possible given whatever risks this release poses to the public or the youth. Um, there should also be a maximum length of time on the program. Um, 
you should never spend more than 90 days in the program, and most programs should end within 30 days. Additionally, any uh, violations needed to be responded to, to uh, swiftly to increase youth accountability in the program, but these also need to be appropriate responses given the variety of violations uh, that can occur. And as a move away from electronic monitoring, JPD should work to establish better out-of-county detention alternatives so that out-of-county youth aren't unnecessarily placed on the program. And JPD could also add weekend activities to the evening reporting center program to decrease the, some of the need for electronic monitoring and prevent dual enrollment between some of the detention alternatives. That is all that I have. I think there's a thank you slide. Um, I look forward to your questions. That was excellent. I, I'm really impressed. <laughs> um, how many young people on electronic monitoring did you get a chance to talk to? I only talked to one former participant. And because it was hard to access them, to talk to people or? Yes, part of it is this is a, it's a part of a requirement for in my school program. I'm at UC Berkeley. And so I only had a semester to do this. That would have been quick to turn around. Um, but also don't want to burden those with lived experience, particularly those who are in the program often already have a lot going on. Um, so to try and make up for youth voice, I did talk to um, service providers and try and read um, like the, um, one of the, People who spoke earlier was from the Young Women's Freedom Center. They recently compiled a qualitative um, testimonies of youth who had been in the program. So tried to consult in as many areas to get that insight without burdening um, those in the program now. So questions have comments, questions. Um, maybe we want to hear from the, how the department uh, responded to this information. So we're responding in live time. <laughs> so we're also just receiving Scarlett's uh, report and I just got, had the benefit of hearing the presentation yesterday. I think that uh, what, what I would say is that I really wanna highlight a few, the things that stood out for me. And I think the most important one is that there's no statistical difference in recidivism between the young people on electronic monitoring and the young people who are released without it. Um, that, that's a huge statement that we should let stand. I think that Scarlett's findings about age are incredibly important. Um, and I also think that to me, the other piece that's so important is that we have a program where success is, is defined by the judge, right? But that we don't have kind of standardization about what that means. And so I think that uh, there's a lot for us to look at as a department. I think there, it's also a really important question about how we now share this with the other partners in the courtroom and, and the court who is making that order ultimately. So we need to look at why we are asking for it and when, and then the court also needs to be part of the conversation because they are ultimately making that decision on whether they're releasing a young person. And I think to like the, the point that you made about um, out of county getting it, is it just because it's the only alternative that's presented and then and if that's the case then we're not giving equal justice to the same to the people who are appearing in the juvenile courts um i do have a question if the difference in recidivism for electronic monitoring or not was that controlled for offense or age or was it just 
because I I assume that the people who are detained um, or who are receiving electronic monitoring might be more 707B offense people. And were you comparing people who are 707B? And then my other question is, you said the racial and ethnic disparity, you were less likely to get more restrictive. Was that one controlled for offense or what? what is that statistic? Yes. So. First, on the recidivism rates that involved the assessed risk level, according to the YLS assessment, there, the summary code um, of the offense, um, and as well as demographics, including age, gender, and race, and I believe for that one also include included resident not recidivism did not include residencies so controlled for risk level and offense and a few demographics and then for the racial disparities that was looking at what factors go into detention decision alternatives and that included um, all of the same uh, variables as the last in addition to residency um, and so for that it was not statistically significant but showed um, what the estimates were for African American, AAPI, and Latino and Hispanic youth was that they were more likely between detention and release to be released, and between release with electronic monitoring and release without, uh, more likely to get released without. But those aren't statistically different. But so. they were not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And not close really by any means either. Yeah. Can I can I just follow up on the uh, recidivism um, measures? Um, I think we need to be comparing uh, uh, I, I, when we look into this more in terms of recidivism, kids who are have the opportunity to be involved in crime. So as you noted, we we can't compare kids who are on electronic monitoring to those who are currently detained. Um, and learn anything about what the kids who were current who were detained would have done had they not been detained, which is the real question, right? So I think if you just start the counter at at release for the kids who were detained and compare, then um, that's kind of a more equal comparison. And then even comparing to the release cohort, you know, a judge has made a decision about whether to release someone or to release them on electronic monitoring based on characteristics of the case and the person that they're looking at that are probably correlated with the outcome. And so even if we control for, for observable things, we those groups could be systematically different. Um, so I would just say take it with a grain of salt <laughs> um, because there are probably some systematic differences going on there that I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like the, yeah. the, the risk assessment tool itself is probably systematically, or they're frequently systematically problematic. Uh, well, I mean, it's the same. It's the same risk assessment for both groups. No, I know, but the categories can, things like association can, cost children of color in a different way, in a in a disparate way. Um. Oh, and the other thing about recidivism was, it, are we omitting the out of county youth from the recidivism uh, measures? Because if they're recidivating somewhere else, likely because they're out of county, then we're probably not catching that. So maybe they shouldn't be in that number. Yes, for that, um, I didn't remove out of county youth for recidivism rates. I used nearest nature matching. So I didn't, for balance, include residency generally on that. Okay. Uh, but that is a good 
estimate. I will say generally with any of these numbers, they're the numbers of electronically monitored youth and youth in some of these programs are really small, um, which is another factor um, affecting maybe whether something was statistically significant or not. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> you talk about stigma. Is the stigma coming from the peer group or where is the stigma coming from? The stigma comes from just having that ankle monitor so that yeah. when you walk into a room, people know your status immediately yeah. is that you're on probation. Yeah. Uh, which part of looking into alternative devices that uh, the JPD could be using, there's now like wristwatches that like can tell the time that maybe aren't immediately apparent when you walk in the room that you're on electronic monitoring that still serve that function. And I did hear um, from interviewees, there's like the stigma serves no purpose in the program. We're not about punishing the youth that doesn't actually help their rehabilitation. That's kind of scary. So how, how do they feel about that? The people wearing the monitor in terms of stigma coming from peer group and things. So how do they feel? Yeah, well, from the participant that I spoke to, he talked about both like in his own head, it made him feel bad, but also he noticed in the behavior of others that they noticed um, the device and that it affected him. I talked to a former juvenile court judge who had worn the device and he talked about going to his son's baseball game and seeing parents being nervous about their children, like trying to pull them away from him. Um, so it definitely not only has an effect on others, but it has an effect on you watching others react to you in this way. Um, I'm feeling like we need to get on with the agenda. Um, and this was a great presentation, and I look forward to hearing in the chief's report as we move along how the department is going to integrate this. And I, it, but although the decisions are up to the judges, and so what we, which is a whole other issue of how we work with the judges and and, and try to influence them. There was something. Um, I want to take public comment on this. Um, and I'm wondering if there is any public comment. Uh, if the who is it? Can we see if there's public comment? There's none online. No one has raised their hand online. Okay. Right, well, um, thank you so I, much. I, I, I want to thank you. This is, was a really important piece of information. I look forward to having the opportunity to really think more about it, to hear more from the chief and figure out how we can make best use of, I mean, the fact that there's no difference in these two groups is like mind boggling. Thank you. Uh, I now want to call for general public comment for issues that are not on the agenda. So I am encouraging people who are participating remotely, um, who have been waiting for a general public comment, now is the time to raise your hand to we, make general public comment. We do have someone. Good evening, Commission. I believe you unmiked Michelle Alvarez Campos, am I correct? Yes. Hi, good evening, Commission. Um, I, my name is Michelle Alvarez Campos from Instituto Familiar de la Raza. Um, it was really good to hear this presentation regarding our, well, 
our electronic monitoring program or GPS as other counties may call it. And in my experience, um, it was really interesting to hear the stigma behind wearing the current device that's being utilized. I know I've worked in other counties where they've used cell phones as a device, which doesn't, you know, so that's an option to look at later on. Um, I was very surprised to hear definitely the issues around there is no difference. And I would agree as a provider working collaboratively with probation and other CBOs, including home detention, um, we work very closely with them because we will have clients that we work with providing therapy and case management, and they still have home detention at our, um, home detention program ordered. We try to work as collaborative as possible, and that could be sometimes confusing and overwhelming to youth and the families of having multi providers at the same time. Um, so that's something that I know our agency does experience with that. The other part I wanted to also include is the experience of youth on electric electric monitoring when they violate that there is a delay in holding them accountable. I'm going to use that word um, and the response and 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 that is something that you know not that we want to punish and provide consequences, but how do we hold young people accountable when they when, with that first violation of not being home on time, for example. Um, how do we set the stage again and give them the continued opportunity to stay home and to stay in community? Um, that's my public comment. I wasn't here earlier, but I do. I am very curious about the young men in detention who are there long term and the fact that um, when there is accountability held and a consequence around their behavior, I'm concerned that some of them were not able to attend their college classes. Um, and that to me is detrimental because now we are infringing on their college records and whether or not they're able to, you know, complete a course or if they miss something important. So I'm really curious about what some resolutions around that will be from JPT and programming within the hall. Thank you very much. Any other public testimony? Comment. Um, no one else has raised their hand. Um, I happen to know people are trying to raise their hand because I am being text to that effect. Huh. I'm on my phone. I can't press three. I've been trying to raise my hand and I and no one is is calling me. I can't press three. It's star three. It's star three. Is that the oh, problem? Okay. Yes. Looks like we do have someone. Okay. I call again and press star three and let's take the comment that we have. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Joanna Hernandez and I'm a parent with a support group called families understanding the system. And I'm coming before the commission because I'm very concerned. Um, some of our my um, colleagues, you know, co, co parents have their children who are currently incarcerated inside in San Francisco County, um, San Francisco Juvenile Hall. One of the concerns that came up is that the recent lockdown that happened where iPads were taken away, that the sh deputy sheriffs were brought in, like if we were, like if the kids were on CDC, uh, our yards, like St. Quentin, treating the children as if they were, 
lifers in, in, in prison and telling them they need to start acting like men. I'm very appalled at what's going on, and I'm here representing them because the families are scared of retaliation. Most recently, they said that a, a counselor who had been on leave just returned and is treating them very unfairly. Something needs to change. These children need to be rehabilitated and treated fairly and not treated like animals. I need to figure out a way to support these families with a lack of resources for parents. There's all these programs that are trying to intervene and help the children, but the lack of services for moms, grandmas, and uncles to try to help collaborate with the department to keep these kids alive and free is not there. I hope that the commission really looks at this problem because there's something going on there and we have no access to our children to see what's really going on. So I, I really hope that you guys take a look at this. Um, their education is being taken from them and these kids are scared. They said they've written grievances and people just came to talk to them, but that was it. So I really hope that the commission takes this very seriously because those are our children. And as a parent, um, I'm very appalled about what's going on because this juvenile justice system failed my own child who's now currently incarcerated in an adult system because juvenile hall failed him. So let's not fail no more children. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hernandez. Do we have any other buddy with the hand raised? Well, um, Ron Stuckel says that, yes, Ron Stuckel, hold on, let's try. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm unsure why it it just continues to say raise hand. I was actually going to bring up the same concern that I heard both um, Joanna and Michelle bring up uh, because one of our staff spoke to some of the youth who actually said the phrase they felt very discouraged about the educational uh, concern when their education or when they felt like their education was being threatened, and some one of them actually said, "I don't know that it's." Uh, worth trying if it's going to be that easy for it to be taken. So I would just encourage this to be uh, very well studied and addressed. I, I I do have deep concerns over what I have heard and some of the things we've heard from youth have been a little bit different than things we've heard from other people. Uh, so if the commission can find their way to getting to the bottom of what happened and what will be done, I appreciate it. Thank you. Is there any other testimony? Uh, yes, we do have another caller. Go ahead, please. Hi, this is Indiana Baranache. I'm the director of Reset Justice Collaborative. And I have um, families who have been reaching out to me as well. And just to piggyback on what Joanna said, that they're really scared. Some of these parents, this is the first time that they've had to deal with their own child in a system. and. There's so many buzzwords that are used about like being um, restorative and de-escalation and harm reduction. These are children. These are individuals under the age of 18. And it sounds like everything is being so, so aggressive and punitive. And I really feel like there needs to be a voice here and some accountability and some next steps on what's going to happen to really help these young people be more in a, in a setting that's rehabilitating, that's going to help them grow, help their minds develop in a more healthier and positive manner. And that's something that's going to just lead them in a direction to end up in an adult system, like Joanna said. So there needs to be 
some action, like action items that I would like to hear that will actually help these young men and families. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Um, no one else at this time. Okay, I'm going to take the prerogative of the chair for just a minute to say um, I had heard about um, incidents in Unit 7 of the Juvenile Hall and suggested, don't give me the evil eye, <laughs> um, and said, uh, spoke with the chief about it, and there are some very unfortunate things happened that were referenced in the public testimony. So what I would like to do is say, yes, we've had a crisis, and ask the uh, chief to meet with the people who've been involved, um, the parents, the people in the community who've been concerned, and come back to us with what the department is going to do to respond to the crisis that people were referring to in the public testimony. Chief? I'm happy to, I've already had one meeting with folks in the community. We did have an incident that happened in our hall a week ago. Uh, to Commissioner Rodkin's point, it was on the unit that is our secure long-term kind of uh, DJJ realignment unit and it's, um, uh, involving uh, um, the young men on that unit who are 18 and up. I do want to clarify that the sheriff deputies were not called just to respond to one thing that came up during public comment. But beyond that, I agree that I think the most productive way to handle this is to uh, respond at an upcoming meeting with more information. And when we have general public testimony, the idea is that we don't respond to it at the time. So if the commission understands that and it will be on the agenda of the next commission, what the department, a little more detail about what happened and what the department plans to do to address the issues. Okay. Can I just add, can we just learn about what supports there are for parents of currently incarcerated youth next time. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to move on with the agenda. Um, thank the people who provided public testimony and we will move on to the chief's report. Um, I will go into our my report right now. It'll be oh, sorry. Thank you, Jenna. So just quickly going into my report for tonight, just a handful of slides. If you could move to the next slide, please. So we're not going to go over our data report tonight um, because we knew we had a lot of other meaty items on the agenda. You all have the data report. I do just want to draw your attention to a few things. One is a new executive summary with data points that are of kind of special interest and they all link to the full charts that uh, they relate to. So this is um, some work that I wanna really thank Maria and Selena for doing to start responding to some of the requests for additional information or ways to make the data presented differently that were raised by President Brodkin and some others. Um, we're also working to incorporate uh, program referrals and as well as warrant data in the coming months. These are issues of extreme interest, of course, to this group and others. 
Um, and then I just want to note that we're working on, and when I say we, I mean the other people in my department who work so hard on this, on our forthcoming annual report uh, for 2021. And so I think it'll give us the ability to look over the whole year. And then, of course, compared to the previous year, we significantly changed how our annual reports look in the last two years. Um, and so this will be the second year that way, and I look forward to sharing it with you. Um, next slide, please. Just quickly going over some promotions and retirements in the department. This is a standing agenda item for folks for whom this is the first uh, meeting like this. Um, so just want to say we've got two months of updates because, of course, we weren't here uh, last month for a regular meeting um, because we weren't allowed in this room. Uh, so I just want to acknowledge uh, some changes to our staff, and these are actually all in Juvenile Hall. So we do have a new assistant director who we promoted in the hall. Pele Otihiva. Um, in addition, we have promoted four of our counselors into senior counselor positions, filling vacancies. We've both downsized the number of senior counselors we have, but also needed to make some promotions uh, because we've seen so many retirements. So the folks who I want to acknowledge who've been promoted are Maceo Johnson, Ian Coyle, Scott Cotto, and Kevin Lewis. I also want to acknowledge three retirements we've had recently, also all in the hall, also longtime members of probation staff, um, Tamara Ratcliffe, John Chan, and John Zerby, who all in the last few weeks have retired. We have a few more retirements coming up uh, in the next few weeks, and I'll share those at the next meeting. Um, but just want to acknowledge that, you know, obviously we're seeing some folks who've been there for a long time making departures. Um, anticipate we'll see a number more of those coming in the next few months, uh, uh, particularly when we start the next fiscal year. Are, we, are, you, are you filling in? Are you back filling in? So, so far, so obviously these promotions create empty positions behind them to your, to your question. So, so far we've been filling in hall positions on a provisional basis. So they're called provisional counselors, right? Who we've been hiring behind folks because of the uh, situation we've been in with the potential closure of the hall. I will say, Commissioner, that we have reached a point where we will hire counselors behind the folks who are leaving. Um, at Juvenile Hall, like our other divisions, has gotten smaller over the last few years by design, and we were doing that till we reached a point that we thought was operational um, and appropriate. I will say candidly, I think we've dipped below that at this point, and we are having a hard time um, being at full staffing frequently now. So we do need to make sure that we're filling some of those positions behind those promotions, um, in part because we continue to have to operate in the COVID space. And so we always have to have, for example, a quarantine unit. Um, and that's not going to go away anytime in this calendar year, for sure. Um, but also because as we've had to start the long-term unit, as DJJ is closed, and we've taken on those long-term commitments that folks were calling in about tonight, um, that will always be at least one separate group of young people, if not two. And so we need to make sure that we can staff that as well. Next slide, please. Just going over some juvenile justice system transformation updates. Just wanted to give an announcement um, that the uh, Board of Supervisors is having its next hearing on the closed juvenile hall work group report. That hearing is scheduled for next Thursday, the 19th, I think at 3 o'clock. Is that correct? I believe 3 o'clock. Um, a remote hearing, I believe. 
um, and so the board will be coming back asking some asking departments, including probation, to present some more information, and I believe sharing some of the board's thinking on what it wants to activate that's in the report that was presented to them. Uh, in terms of DJJ realignment, so I've already touched on it a little bit, but of course the work that we're doing locally to create a local plan for the young people at the highest end of our system as the state closes its institutions. Um, you know, as, as folks here know, we turned in a pretty exhaustive plan to the state in December for what San Francisco will be doing to make sure that we take on that responsibility. Um, part of that was identifying gaps in the services for our young people. Um, going back to what you were saying, Commissioner Jordan, about making sure we're always identifying gaps and then how do we fill them. Some of the things that came up during that process, um, there are two that are kind of timely right now. One was the need for more credible messengers and life coaches for our young people, people with lived experience working with them, both in, in the, the secure setting, but also in community. And then the other thing that came up was really making sure that we have services and strategies to support our families, or so our young people and their caregivers, including their grandparents, um, and also that we have flexible funding to help families meet um, important needs in their lives. So because we have this responsibility from the state, we also have funding that goes with it, and we will be putting out a request for proposals. Um, our target date for release is June 1st, and that will be to identify organizations from the community to actually bring some of this new programming online and then to receive funding from the city to do so. So we'll uh, share those announcements. We'll share that RFP when it comes out, but we are working on a release date of June 1st for that. And then finally, just a note, um, the third sector uh, uh, working groups of probation staff and community organizations have concluded. We had a joint with that report is now done and we can share it out. We had um, a, a work group meeting of all the folks who participated in the work groups um, who could come together last week to kind of debrief on the process and talk about next steps. There are a few next steps that we're now launching into. One is um, uh, working with a handful of our community partners, the organizations funded as multi-service agencies as well as CARC. Uh, to start developing a pilot for care teams for what we will look what it will look like for us to be planning in collaboration for our young people. So we are starting those meetings now. Our hope is to start doing some of that work this summer on a pilot basis. Um, we also are going to be working on looking at what what intake assessment looks like for our young people. So one of the findings we had in the process is that the experience of our young people is that they're asked questions over and over um, in very intrusive ways. Uh, with, a, with little coordination. So for both young people coming through custody, but also young people in the community, we're committed to really uh, making sure that we have kind of universal ways of asking questions that aren't duplicative, that are asked at the right time, and that are asked in a way that's sensitive to the young person. So uh, probation and our partners at public health are gonna be working on looking at our internal, the questions we ask for young people who are detained through that lens, and then our partners at the Juvenile Justice um, Providers Association are gonna be looking at that same task for uh, young people they serve through community. What is kind of a universal way of assessing and talking to our young people? So I'm excited about that. We'll report back on that in the future. And then finally, last slide. Um, so uh, for commissioners who've been here for a while, you'll recall that we came to you last uh, winter um, because we had some unanticipated state funds and we wanted some direction from the commission on how to spend them. 
Um, normally, state funds come through our budget, and so when we come to you with our budget, you're already approving how we're going to spend that, that state money, but this was unanticipated money from the state, so we wanted to bring it to you. Um, and uh, we're back now again, kind of asking for your support. Um, so in December, uh, the commission voted at the time to uh, allow probation to use that money, um, some of the money, to keep Catholic Charities Boys Home open. Catholic Charities Boys Home is the last group home in San Francisco serving our young people. Um, and they had reached a point where without city investment, they could not keep their doors open, in part because there are so few kids in placement, ordered to add a home placement at this point coming through the system. We thought this was a really important uh, resource not to let go, and so we appreciated you enabling us to do that um, through the remainder of this fiscal year. Uh, we're now coming to you to ask uh, for, um, we didn't spend all the money at that time. You approved as a commission for us to use a part of that money to keep them open through, through this June. Uh, at this time, there's still 720,000 of that money remaining. And I come back to you to ask you to consider allowing us to use that money to keep the boys home open again next year. Um, this is an important program that we don't want to lose in San Francisco. This is unanticipated funding that the city received, and we think this is a valuable use for it. So I'm bringing it to the commission. So we are working with them right now on what um, their projected budget for next fiscal year will be. On average, typically it costs them about a million and a half dollars to be open in a given year. However, that's what their operating fund, that's what it costs for them to operate. As young people are actually placed there, they're able to build a state. So, um, so a portion of their money then comes back to them from the state and the city doesn't pay for it, right? But what they need to know from us is that regardless of how many young people are placed there, they can keep the doors open. We have asked them, Commissioner, to augment their services a little bit in the coming year um, to be kind of more enhanced in the kinds of services they have on site for their young people. Um, and so they've built a little more into their program plan for next year, which will bring that price tag up a little bit. But for example, we've had eight young people referred there this year. So for every young person who's there, um, they will get monthly uh, reimbursed for, from that young person for the state. So we, in the end, we know that um, it's going to be a combination of state funding and local funding. Is there any other deserving CBO that can benefit from this, or this is just charity only? So there, there is, there are no other um, what are called STRTPs now, group homes for young people in San Francisco. They're the only provider, and it's the only group home. The only other uh, STRTP um, up till recently was Edgewood, and they've they've given up that license. So we have one provider left in San Francisco to do this work. There are other group homes in other parts of the state, but I, I want to acknowledge the importance that's come up in a lot of conversations about making sure we have a placement here in the city for our young people. What's their capacity? Are they, Maria, what's their capacity going to be in the coming year? It's going to remain eight, so that so it's an eight-bed facility, and it will remain eight. I will note they also, up until last spring, had a girls' shelter as well, and that has closed, and that will stay closed. Um, because there just hasn't been the capacity to fill it with girls. Um, any other questions from the commission about the report of the chief? 
Um, I, I do want to point out from the data, we're not going to go over the data, but there are an awful lot of out of county kids mm -hmm. that that are part of our system. It's just so I, I feel like the system I thought I was coming in to deal with is now a huge percentage of out of county kids and a huge percentage of young people who are 18 and over. Mm -hmm. It is not the population that I thought. You know, we were coming in to address, so I just really want people to be aware it changes. It changes the nature of what our job is. So, um, do, do I, does somebody want to make a motion to, um, but if could, okay, I, I hadn't forgotten it, honestly. <laughs> That's what I thought. So. I, I know, but I thought since that we were asked for a specific motion about um, approving the funding, an additional seven hundred and twenty and two two hundred and eighty one thousand dollars um, to keep Catholic charities uh, available for our kids. And Does somebody want to make a motion to that effect? If I may add one thing first, just to Commissioner Moses that I neglected to say, for any other organization in the city to get a license at this point to do this program would require one to two years. So I wanted to give you that perspective. Or do we need more discussion before somebody feels comfortable making a motion? I, I think I might have jumped the gun. I, I, you know, just to insert myself into this, it's like we almost have no choice. We have one group home in our city, and we say we want to keep kids out of the juvenile hall and out of um, more restrictive placements. So that's the argument for for doing it. It's a huge amount of money. It's it's really it's really not um, when you talk about running organizations. We're talking housing, 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 housing. Organization like Catholic Charity is really yeah. Um, no, my only, my only issue is how many, how many, how many young people are in there today? Because right. they've been, they haven't been really having a capacity of eight. So it, it's an oversight on my part that I don't know today. I can tell you recently we've consistently had two young people there. Yeah. Who otherwise would have been in the hall? Yeah. To your point about costs and housing. Yeah, that's just the only. I mean, my only concern is they never reach. You know, it's hard. You know, I mean. Like, you know, people don't want group homes anymore, so you know it's it's, it's hard. Um, but it, it's seven hundred twenty thousand now that it's going to go to where if it doesn't go to Catholic charities is the question. It know. it does seem like we need to think about a longer term plan though, <laughs> because we can't just count on uh, gift money from the state, or maybe we can count on gift money from the state every year. But it seems like yeah, something we should think about when we think about the broader issue. But it's certainly something we can talk to you about in our budget yeah. ongoing. Considering the girls' homes are shut down, and this is the last boys' home in the city, yeah, I like to move that we uh, provide money. Oh, I, I make a motion sorry, that we. I couldn't understand. I'm sorry. Um, I make a motion that we move to provide the seven hundred and twenty thousand two hundred eighty-one dollars um, from the commission budget to support Catholic charities, boys' home. Is there a second? Or I'll second. second. Go ahead. Okay, so it's been moved and seconded. Um, Let's take public comment, and then if people want to continue sort of raising issues. 
you know, that you don't know how you're going to vote. Um, we can do that. So is there any public comment on this? Matta, um, Pauline, anybody? No, no hands raised. I guess my only question is, do we continue to have plans to improve the situation so that we'll serve more than two kids um, next year? So we have been working with them on program enhancements and we're happy to come back and talk about what that could look like. They've been very receptive to that, which is great. I also will note they can take young people from other counties as well, and that will also result in income going to them uh, from those county, from the state for young people from those counties too. Okay, do people feel prepared to vote? Yes. Okay, take President, the roll. <laughs> President Brodkin. Yes. Commissioner Cervantes. Yes. Commissioner Jordan. Yes. Commissioner Laco. Yes. Commissioner Moses. Yes. Commissioner Spengola. Yes. Motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to go on to the next thing on the that concludes my report. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to go on to the next thing on the agenda, which is just I would like to uh, appoint the program committee for the year. I had already appointed um, Commissioner Laco to chair it. Um, Commissioner Spangola has graciously agreed to step back, and I'd like to appoint um, all. Commissioner Jordan to be on the program committee. So now we have a program committee of Commissioner Laco, Commissioner Jordan, and um, Commissioner Moses. Hearing no objection, because you can't object anyway. That's uh, <laughs> I like. I will move on um, and. Uh, can can somebody make a motion to approve the minutes of the I'll make the motion to Sorry. approve the minutes from the full commission meeting of March 9th, 2002 yeah. or 2022. Sorry. Yeah. Second. Second. Yes. No, she did not. No, she did not. <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. Is there any public comment on the pro on the president's report? Okay, hearing no public comment, we will go on to the motion to approve the minutes that's been moved and seconded that we approve the minutes of uh, March 3rd. You want to take the roll? Public comment. I'll never learn. Is, is there any public comment on on? Uh, the minutes or the motion to approve the minutes. No hands raised. Okay, so let's uh, call the roll. President Brodkin. Yes. Commissioner Cervantes. Yes. Commissioner Jordan. Yes. Commissioner Laco. Yes. Commissioner Moses. Yes. And Commissioner Spingola. Yes. Motion passes. Okay, the next item on the agenda is ideas for future agenda, which we've had a very full discussion of already. It occurred to me as I was sitting here that maybe the the um, serious issue that was raised about the juvenile hall could be talked about when we put the juvenile hall issues on the agenda. Um, that way we can have a full discussion of what's happening in the juvenile hall and how to address the uh, various challenges that that um, 
both the department and young people are experiencing. Does that make sense to everyone here? So we will look to sort of put that item on the agenda after diversion as quickly as the department can move to make sure we can have a full discussion. Are there any other items that people want to put on a future agenda? Yes. I'd like to see us put um election of vice president on the agenda next I was going to I tried to call you about that. Yes. So I think we have um I actually discussed this with our city attorney. Um we're we're over time um and she didn't feel that it would hurt to <laughs> No, I won't say that. <laughs> she it we don't, we're already extended the time that we're supposed to have elected um, the vice president, but since we didn't know each other and we had so many new people, um, I felt it was important to postpone it till we knew each other. So I'll definitely put that on the agenda for the um, for the June meeting. Do do we also need to discuss the uh, schedule for the program committee and the time that we meet? I think that's something that we had to talk about at the meeting, right? Yeah, I'm thinking that the first, well, what do you want to do? Um, I'd just like to make it later in the day if we could start at 4 instead of earlier than 4. <laughs> I don't look at you two. What, what day Usually the program committee meets the on a Tuesday, which is the third Tuesday. I think it was third Tuesday. You're right. Third Tuesday of the month, and it was like at three or something. So it varied three from time. Yeah, it varied, and as chair, you can negotiate with your yeah, fellow I just, committee we members had to, do it to find a time that publicly, is appropriate. But maybe not. I don't know. Okay. And since we're in the cycle thing. It, you know, you could not do it until after the next full commission meeting. Then we do diversion and then refer it to the program committee. That if that you? makes that work for me, does that work for you? Does that make mm -hmm. sense? June. The yeah, to wait to have a program committee meeting until after our next full commission meeting. That's fine. Okay. Okay. And is that going to be uh, YGC or? Uh, I think it can be virtual. Which would be great. I thought it could be up at YGC, but no. Um, I believe it. I believe that we are making sure that our conference room can can handle hybrid meeting. Oh, that's what she told me. So sure we will find we'll find out um, if we if you can meet in person up at YGC, or you'll meet virtually. Um, but if you can meet in person, I think you're required to meet in person. Am I or maybe committees don't? I don't think I don't. It's not committees. Person yet? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So, um, is there a motion to adjourn the meeting? So we, we have to. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> I, do I have to have a public comment on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I apologize to everyone for forgetting about public comment, um, but I will try harder to remember. And um, we have to call the roll to adjourn the meeting. No, so the meeting is adjourned. What time? At eight o'clock.
I'm looking at the clock. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I just have such a, you know, say whatever 